how much the world has changed since 2016. That's a joke, right? <laughs> I gotta check and see how how we're live right now. Are we live? Are we? Do, is this happening? It uh, says it says live. Okay, it says live on this end. Because I am usually I we have an amazing producer who handles. Oh yeah, we're live. Okay, hold on. Let me let me turn on a light here so you can. I had to take a bathroom break. I'm not gonna lie. I'm no, just, and, and Dorsey oh. is like. <clears throat> you know, I do this on my own. I don't know how to do things. I don't know how to press buttons. Uh, Walker Bragman. Walker Bragman is a reporter. Uh, he is, are you officially a lawyer now? Is this a thing? No, 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 no. I'm a, I have a JD. I do not, I, I, I have not taken the bar. Almost in that process. You're like next step. Uh, I, figuring that out. You're working with um, uh, uh, Dave Sroda in his yes. new publication. Yes, the Daily PMI. Poster. Or what is it? What's it called? The Daily Poster. We, Daily we had a Post. name change. Oh, you changed yeah. the name. Okay, I thought I was wrong. We, we did. Okay, got it. Oh man, Walker. All right, you're in New York right now, right? I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah. You look fresh. I feel like the last time we talked, you had a lot more hair and like cut. Like yeah. your haircuts are always changing. They, well, so so, so I, I I buzzed it, and this is how it's growing in now. And now I have this like little flippy thing up here. <laughs> so I did this crowdsource thing. I was on with Majority Report, and they were exhausted because they've been on air for thirteen hours. And oh my god! Oh yeah, he did because it was the ten year anniversary of the Majority Report, uh, and they decided to. To be fair, Sam had this in his mind a long time ago, way before COVID, and he was going to do an event and blah, blah, blah. and um. And this has been a, a, you know, Michael's passing. So many things have have shifted. Uh, they were exhausted, and I'm I flew to Arizona, and you know, wanted to see what's going to go on <laughs> in Arizona um, because I was hearing things from my 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 mom's side of the family that lives here, and uh, and so I'm here, and it's a little bit earlier, and I'm like wide awake, and I've just had my first drink, and I'm like ready to go now. Let's do this. I so mean, I crowdsourced, and you respond. I was like, Walker's perfect. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, and I've got my I've got my scotch, and uh, yeah. It's it's one of those nights. So 2016, um, I'll talk about my experience and I'd love to hear your experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just walking in from the bathroom and I real I just saw my like set that I've built here. Um, and I thought- It looks wow. great, by the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, clearly this it's a little messy on my end here, but-, but it, could, yeah. it could be a little better at this point. At the beginning, it was great. Now it's like, all right, it was like a permanent thing and I have it in many places, not just here in my apartment. Um, but I appreciate that. But in 2016, I was coasting from newsroom to newsroom. I was in uh, cable newsland. I was doing like CNN and Fox and MSNBC. And I had a show at Sirius XM. And I remember the the angst of going from one set to another in that like Rockefeller Plaza, you know, one block radius. And I say that because it was mind boggling to me. Um, and now we know this, but like to hear how the election results were being interpreted and how I kind of felt like I had to sort of back Hillary and every once in a while, like Trump people will find this clip of me saying like, well, Hillary is going to win and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> in my mind, I didn't actually think that, but I had to, I had to say it. I had, you to. mean people dig, dig something up from, from years ago and keep, keep hitting you with it over and over. Yeah. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> exactly. No idea. Exactly. 
exactly. But it was also like not something I believed, which is I just had to be like the good sport in that moment and be like, oh, right. Hillary's going to win because the numbers are going in her favor. And But this time around, I feel, I felt, I feel, I guess still that the number, I mean, if you're looking at the popular vote, like the, I think what, what, what it shows me in this election versus in 2016, where she had like a horrible operation. I'm not saying that Biden had a better operation, but I also think that like Trump had more negatives against him that benefited Biden, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. COVID was a, you know, a tra- national tragedy, but a gift to the Democrats. Exactly. And, and, and Biden is not a woman that's been demonized for 35 years on Fox News, legitimate or illegitimately. Um, Biden is more like hokey and working classy, even though if his policies don't necessarily, whatever, like, but there might, the, the numbers that of turnout, like Biden still might win with a popular vote, double what Hillary did. And so that to me shows me that this, and we as Democrats and we as progressives and we as leftists specifically need to understand this war is not about whose message is stronger. It is about who is surgically attacking the right places because that is how these Republicans are winning right now. Ruthless, disgusting, mm-hmm. surgical voter suppression and intimidation, running Kanye West and and like the, the colonist in Puerto Rico, uh, Brock Pierce and whatever it is. It is, that is how they won this election. If they did. If, if they that. did. Yeah, yeah. because honestly, like th- there's a very real chance that they didn't. It, but It could change, but you know, betting markets are changing. It looks, it doesn't look good. I'll just say that. It doesn't look good. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say something and then people will be like, oh, look, dig it up years, years later, you know, having not had that experience, I wouldn't want it. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, At least my hair and makeup look great. <laughs> it, Versus now in my own studio. <laughs> I mean, better than my hair and makeup ever looked. So, but yeah, uh, it's, they're not, the numbers aren't, aren't great. I think it speaks to obviously weak points in the democratic strategy. It speaks to weak, it speaks to the value of Barack Obama's coattails. Mm. Um, you know, it, I think, I think you're right with the pot. If you can win the popular vote and keep losing the presidency, you're doing something wrong. And you either have to, you have to figure out what that is. Uh, and I don't think the Democrats have really done that. I don't think they put the work in to do that. Can I say that? Is that too harsh? No, it's not too harsh. We have to be real. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward right now thinking we are living in a post-Bernie moment. We are living in a post-Biden moment. We're living in a post-neoliberal moment. And don't look at them as being your saviors. We have to take... This is war. I, I was on with Josh Fox earlier today on TYT and he goes, how can we heal? And how can we, you know, wooey we? And I said, no, no, we're in the middle of war. You heal when you're in reparations mode. We right. are not in reparations. We are in war. And if the left starts to understand that the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, and I will give credit to our friend Michael Brooks because Michael and I disagreed or I at least personally disagreed on on his continuous attack against Elizabeth Warren because I thought that the enemy was Joe Biden. And that's just because I knew the party dynamics and how they were all lining up and it's complicated and nuanced and like super like inner party analysis that nobody wants to know about. So I always thought that like the energy towards Warren was energy being diffused away from Joe Biden. 
With that being said, he was 100% correct that Elizabeth Warren should have never been in the race. If you are on the side of the working movement that could is the biggest threat to capitalism ever in the Americas, ever. It's true. Then what are you doing? So, so yes. So, so I, I think moving forward, we have to think like, who are the, the institutions that backed Elizabeth Warren also sat in the campaign of Bernie Sanders? I don't care at this point. I don't want to, I don't care if I'm making enemies by saying this, this is war. You want to win for the working class? There's no alliance with people who took opposition research against you and smeared you. That's not how you win. Right. Well, I, th- I, I thought throughout the campaign that he should have, um, that they should have been more aggressive in sort of disqualifying her early on. I also think they should have been more aggressive just across the board. Like Biden, Biden was somebody with just a whole you know, bunch of skeletons in his closet that you could just trot out on TV every single day, you know, between um, January 1st, 2019, when he was, when there was even talk of him, like go after him then, like disqualify him early and, and then deal with whoever else is left because nobody really posed a serious threat to Sanders outside of, outside of Biden. And I think that that is a weakness that Sanders had as a candidate, that he doesn't have that, that impulse. So you know, looking at tonight's numbers and what and whatever happens, the closeness of, of the race, a lot of pe- the rushes to the Bernie would have won and Bernie would have done so much better. But Bernie really didn't have a killer instinct that I think he, he really needed to have. Walker, I'm so glad you said this because earlier in the night on Josh Fox's show, we started to warm up. Both Josh and I are very familiar with Bernie movement, very familiar with Bernie and everybody as as you are too as there is um you can't fall in love with your heroes because ultimately the achilles heel in my opinion of the bernie sanders movement was the inability to understand the ruthlessness of politics bringing Mm -hmm. in folks that were why would you ever trust folks to come into your inner circle that worked in the opposition ever you don't do that in a congressional race why would you do in a presidential race and there were several people in the inner circle, strategic circle of Bernie Sanders' campaign who were setting strategy, um, who replaced folks that were around in 2016. Um, more to come on that. <laughs> Still a little early to discuss it, but there's just an innate political instinct that maybe doesn't come out of independent Vermont politics. And it does come out of like hustle and bustle in New York machine politics. Right. Get it. You know who your friends are and you know who your enemies are and it becomes very clear. And very you know quickly. when you become an alliance with somebody it doesn't mean that they're your friends. So I think that's what's really interesting about like like Bernie and and on the show with Josh we both kind of came to the conclusion that we don't know if this election would have actually like Bernie would have won not because of his strategic perspective or his positions it's just there's this there's this codification this cement it's like a cemented mindset um crystallization i mean what is the 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 term that we want to come up with of the polarized positioning on both sides and like maybe they just weren't movable maybe the people that need to be movable weren't movable and like it came down to gerrymandering and like voter suppression. So, I don't know. So, okay. So uh, on the one hand, 
you know, I, I, I don't think we can know. I think Sanders would have been a shoo in in 2016, hands down. 2020 may, may be a little different. But at the same time, Trump's pandemic response was a disaster. 233,000 Americans are dead. Um, obviously, not all of that is, is Trump's fault. Uh, but you can, you can definitely say that Trump is responsible for tens of thousands of deaths. Um, I mean, we were primed for a, for a disastrous pandemic with our, with our trade, uh, you know, global trade, the way it is with a lack of supply chain redundancy. And then of course our healthcare system and, and our gig economy where people can't miss work and go in sick. So we had a lot of things working against us, but we also had an administration that didn't take the, the warning seriously, politicized the science and didn't prioritize, um, delivering aid to people and instead focused on reopening the economy. I think Sanders as a candidate would have made better use of that mm. than Joe Biden. Um, and I think that's because Sanders speaks in pretty solidly economic terms and, and sort of day-to-day, he speaks to the day-to-day concerns that people have. And I think he would have done a better job of explaining how he would have handled that pandemic and tied Trump's response to conditions on the ground, which is something that Biden did not effectively do. And, and Naomi Klein made this point uh, yesterday in an interview with, uh, with David. So with that being said, like, I mean, Sam, we were just on the majority report, we were just talking about how, I mean, would that have moved the 10% of voters that need to be moved in Michigan and Pennsylvania versus, versus, I mean, I, I, I hear you on that. Like maybe I've just spent way too much time. The, the, the crux of my COVID experience has been traveling across the country in red and swing states. And, you know, as much as I'm a New York progressive who lives in a socialist district, the most socialist district in America in Astoria, New York, I also try to go out and talk to folks. And I grew up in Buffalo, New York. And um, there's no, like, like in, 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 in like political messaging, there's this whole thing that say, they say, we're like, find out where you meet them, like meet them in the middle, find out what their, their thing is. And you, you right. meet them there. And economics is a big part of that, right? That's why an economic message is so appealing. But like, in 2000, I think it was really important what you just said about 2016, like there was a moment in 2016 where you could have done that. And then, then the cult of Trump came in. Um, I think it was also an assault by the liberal center yeah. as well. I think, I think those two things worked in, in tandem. You have Trump saying, oh, these lunatic leftists. And then you have liberals saying, well, you can't beat that. You can't beat that message with what you're selling. Um, interesting. You know, I think I think that those two sides. I think that Sanders was attacked. Sanders and his movement was uh, was attacked. Were attacked from two sides. So it's look. Who knows if it would have if it would have you know made made the difference or whatever. And this election isn't over yet, so we still don't know. But would and and also I want to just say Bernie might have gotten bogged down in like the well socialism is actually okay messaging, which. That's you know, interesting. Very important point. Who, who knows? But I do think on a fundamental level, Sanders is very is and was very good at just sticking to his thing and not getting 
too distracted from it. Like, look, yes, I'll, I'll say what you want me to say so we can get back to, you know, rich people are exploiting you and we could be a lot better than we are. And you should be able to see a doctor when you're sick and you shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck. And you should, you should, you know, like those are messages that resonate. And if the candidate can, can tie conditions on the ground to policy in a country where 40% of people were struggling to afford basics even before the pandemic, where 78% of full-time workers are living paycheck to paycheck before the pandemic. And there are like 500,000 medical bankruptcies. Like that, that will resonate. And I don't care with whatever voter, you, you know, who, whoever the voter is, like they're at a fundamental level, people don't like corruption. They don't like feeling like they're getting screwed. And they don't like, they don't like worrying about, you know, making ends meet or if a cancer diagnosis is going to, you know, wipe out their savings or destroy what legacy they have for their kids. Like that's, those are, those are universal messages that appeal to everybody. And I think Biden didn't do a good job at conveying those messages and Sanders, I think would have. So that's, that's my spiel. So Jesus asks, um, thank you for the super chat, Jesus, what exactly are the Democrats offering working people? And then Mind of the North Star, thank you for your love, says, I feel like you both are spot on when it comes to Bernie. His kind heart shapes his wonderful policies, but it also hurts him, which he refuses to be aggressive. I appreciate the late stream, can't sleep. I mean, still semi-early here for you, Walker, it's much later. I mean, so so my... Um, Scotch, know me. Scotch. <laughs> scotch. I'm on mezcal, but I've only had one. So uh, I'm, this is just. It's like, it's, it's like the scotch of tequilas. <laughs> it, no, it's, that's exactly what it is. You're right. It's a scotch tequilas. I like a little spice, like a little, yeah. Um, there you go. But it took me a while to get here because I was like, I don't want to feel emotional. I had so much anxiety and I was like, I don't want to perpetuate that. I need to minimize that. Um, but there's. Bernie also comes from this generation, just like Joe Biden. Actually, actually, the two of them, in a weird way, ran similar campaigns. They did not go full throttle against their nemeses. Like, Bernie didn't go all out against Biden because he was a friend and he was decent and blah, blah. And then Trump, I mean, yeah, okay. Like he attacked his character, but he didn't say that. Remember 2016, he was like, I would take him out back behind the, and I would punch the shit out of him. That's what Joe Biden said in 2016. Right. So, I'll be, and then, and what happened to that? I'll beat him like a drum. Like, like where, where was that? And, and ultimately, I mean, that's like, people want a fighter. I don't, again, I don't know if that would have transcended the, crystallization of whatever base that Trump was really tapping into and may have known some numbers that we didn't know. But with that being said, like maybe they still don't know their numbers. I think there's a lot of variables we're not aware of. My concern though, from the movement perspective is no matter what the outcome is tonight, it is not what we thought it was going to be, even with the early votes and everything like that. And the movement needs to become militant, like super fast. And I say militant, I don't mean like arms. I mean like like militant in their oh, approach. Maybe, no. I'm just... <laughs> it's 
it's a YouTube channel, be careful. Uh, strategic, like, like, like thoughtful about what wars they want to go against, where they want to put all their energy. I mean, I look at New York as a great example. A um, lot of energy put into to city races that are important, probably would have won no matter what. Very little energy put into races. We said this on Majority Report today. Uh, New York, a Democratic state in a presidential year, may have lost four seats in Congress. Democrats. So, like, what are we doing here? You're going to put all of your money into AOC, who doesn't have a challenge? Are you kidding me? We could have won a super majority if we got like seven more volunteers in a Long Island race and the teachers had the nerve to endorse against an actual teacher and endorse a Republican when the Senate, which has been holding up teacher funding for the last 15 years, the teacher union endorsed a Republican against a Democrat in a Democratic district and that Democrat was a teacher's union activist. What are we doing? Well, no, mate, in fairness, you know, you know Long Island, you get it. Yeah, but also, but I mean, New tell, York. don't, but, but I don't hold back. I mean, you know, tell people how you really feel. Was I holding back just now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Walker, like, my frustration here is if you can't do it right in New York, what right, are we what doing are in do these it? other states? Like, if we're losing well, four states in New York, you're York giving 88 million, $88 million to uh, Amy McGrath and uh, letting Paula Jean swear engine just, you know, on her, be on her own. <sighs> so, I, so we as progressives, like, what do we do? Like you and I talk a lot about it off, off, offline. Like we have to be very um, surgical. We do, we our- text, no big deal. <laughs> That's how this happens. <laughs> You're like, I'm in. <laughs> what do we do, Walker? God, I don't know. Look, if if they get wiped out this year in a census year, like I don't need to tell you how bad that is. Exactly. Like that's that is a catastrophe for the party. That's like that's like something that maybe you don't come back from. I mean, I I I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, at some point, they have to start standing for things. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe you should tell people like. Maybe it's a better message instead of, I'm going to restore the soul of America. Maybe a better message is, if you are sick or feeling sick, you can see a doctor and you don't have to worry about a bill. Or, or maybe, you know, if, if you're worried about the pandemic, you don't have to go into your job. We will cover you. We will cover you. 80, 90% of your wages, or we'll give you $2,000 a month. Like whichever one is, is more. So how about, all right. Um, Biden wins, Trump wins, whatever. So it's really hard to win statewide races for progressives because they're very expensive. Uh, I mean, they're not like John Ossoff, Amy McGrath expensive. That was an inflated number of like consultants were just like, oh, this is a great way to make money. Like, Wait, do we know what not? happened to Ossoff tonight? I, I think he lost. I, Did he? And that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the Lincoln Project. Oh god. Like hey, hey those are true patriotic Americans. <laughs> they have signs in the neighborhood that I'm in right now. It's great. It's like a link, like a picture of Lincoln saying Ryden with Biden paid for by the Lincoln Project signs. I'm like, what the fuck? 
Oh, that's going to be very effective messaging, I want to steal way. one for like my, um, my memories. I might just go tomorrow morning. I'll do it when it doesn't matter. You should. Absolutely. I don't want to get rusted by like Steve. Not encouraging you to, the... I'm not encouraging illegal activity. <laughs> it's only on the record. <laughs> I know. So, it's, they're going to go to this like, hmm, where'd that sign go? Just don't specify where and don't specify how you're going to do it. It's in New Jersey. Um, but, but the reality <laughs> is, the reality is, is like you're, we're sitting here in this moment where the, the neoliberals, I believe, have um they're dead i think they're declared dead because of this crisis right and their message was supposed to be this like like okay this is the ease back in um the the country is not as far right as we think i always feel whether it's mussolini or or i mean mussolini actually is a perfect representation because the rise of mussolini was this collaboration with the capitalist state outwardly so openly you know and like i think that there was a silent trump voter that no one wanted to talk about and no one wanted to acknowledge but like i was just on the phone with a friend of mine today who was like yeah you know all these polls are going to be wrong because people in this day and age don't want to admit that they're supporting donald trump so and i say that because like i'm in a swing i'm in a swing city in a swing district in arizona and there are no trump signs out in front of people's houses they're on the main highways but like not in front of people's houses they're all biden signs or no signs which i don't care what people say about signs like it's a big indication if you're in a swing district where the vibe is and it still might be biden so that's one thing the second thing is the um the silent voter it's not that they're just not polls like that's also a thing that like facebook was doing Right. Like they're like technology companies right now. who are just like, oh, you know, I talked to my cousin tonight who voted for Biden for Democrat for the first time in his life, called me up and he's like, I have to tell you, I voted for a Democrat. I voted for Gary Johnson last year, uh, last cycle. I voted Republicans every, I'm an NRA member. He knows how to shoot guns in all different directions and like all different directions. He's a, he's like the like collects them. Pew. He's like a pew pew. Arizona Republican. We got a right? cowboy. Sorry. So he says to me, he's like, I mean, that's, but that's, that's like a real voter, right? It's a real concern. Right. Like, are you going to go down the Trump road or whatever? And, and he, he, he goes, I thought the liberal media, like, I thought all the tech companies were liberal based. I was like, no. So there's, I mean, there's just this, this, so we're fighting two fronts here. We're fighting a front of silent Trump supporters who just like want to make a lot of money. And then we're fighting silent Trump supporters in the tech media who are like, who also want to make a lot of money, who won't make as much under Biden because we're there pressuring him for oversight and, and regulation. I think I think there's there's another angle, another layer to it as well, and that is that we're fighting people who are watching their future prospects mm. decline. Or people like them, maybe not them personally, but people like them, maybe their neighbor or their friend or somebody in their family. They're watching, they're watching the slow decline and they're watching population trends shift. And it's a lot easier to say the reason for this is because they're taking your jobs. Like that is that connects politics, like a, an issue like immigration directly to something that they're witnessing, even though it's bullshit. Uh, but it, it is, and it is, it's rank bullshit. It it's is. racist rank bullshit, but they, but they are able to 
tie it in. And it's a lot harder to say, well, actually, that's not why your job is, is gone. Your job is gone because, you know, this force, this, you know, global market and the blah, 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 like people tune the fuck out. Maybe NAFTA is, maybe NAFTA is something else people, people are able to associate, but a lot of people just don't have the time and, or I guess think about it on that, on that level, like you and I will, or people who are very involved in politics or on the left and right will, you know, none of this is new to them. And I think, I think Democrats just aren't speaking to those voters and to their immediate concerns in ways that are effective. And again, the right, I think has a handicap because they can just say something bullshit and and racist and this country is fucking racist. And it's a lot easier to connect with somebody like that. But if, if I, if I had to give free advice to a Democrat who is running, I would say that corruption is your best, is your best bet. Not, not Russia shit. Explain explain that more. Like, what do you mean by corruption? Like if I were Biden running against Donald Trump, I would say, Hey, has your life gotten meaningfully better in the last four years? Well, by the way, Donald Trump's has, and the people that he hangs out with has. They are robbing you blind. They lied to you. They're stealing from you. And by the way, don't let them tell you you can't have health care, uh, you know, a living wage, all of this stuff. Like, make make Trump explain why he opposes things like universal health care. Don't don't surrender to his framing on, oh, it's socialized medicine. No, I'm the guy who ran against the socialist. That's that's nobody, that's not going to win anybody over. Yeah, he They're just going to look said, at you like you're he sh- whipped. He should have put him on the spot and said, do you think that every American should have health care? Like, it, that, by the way, it doesn't say where he stands and we know where Joe Biden stands, maybe. But he should have said, do you believe every American should have health care in a pandemic? And right. Donald Trump, you know, that puts him into a bind. And if he said Obamacare, blah, 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 and then and then Joe Biden says, "Great, I've been waiting for your better option." It's not right. happening. And, and, and the, you know, you know what pissed me off is that the, the whole conversation around healthcare shifted to pre-existing conditions. Yes. Like, how how the hell in the middle of a fucking pandemic does your conversation go from like everyone should have healthcare, which was the Democratic primary, and we're going to figure out how to do that, to we just got to make sure that pre-existing conditions remain covered. That is like the one thing in Obamacare that was good. And by the way, Trump nullified that argument when he signed an executive order covering pre-existing conditions. You know, it was a bullshit executive order, but like, like you don't, that's not what you should be talking about. You should be asking him, why don't you think every American deserves healthcare? And don't give me an answer that involves like, oh, it's socialized medicine. You, by the way, you ran on it in 2016. You said government was going to pay for it. So where is it? Pony up. You know, why, why prioritize a tax cut? You said cut? everybody was going to have this. You said we have a situation now where people are going to be facing massive unemployment if they aren't already. Where does your health care go? Are you going to provide health care for them? What, where's the solution? Oh, you haven't told us? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't hear all of your attacks on me. I'm sorry. What are you saying? You don't have a solution? What are these people going to do? And as a result, like what we're seeing now with these, these results coming in, early results, of course, is that in COVID- in districts where, in swing swing areas specifically, where folks have, there have been exacerbated COVID rates of deaths, 
Trump is winning. So, I mean, it's I don't unfucking know. believable. I, I want to say that's a failure of message, but I also feel like if you didn't get that message, there's something else going on there. Like, but, but even asking a simple question, like when you had total control of government, why did you prioritize tax reform? Like, was giving, that message going to get through to them, though, Walker? I but, mean, I'm, but, I'm, but why honestly, didn't you like? No, no, no. But, but why did you not prioritize healthcare? You know, healthcare right. is a major lift in politics. You know that it's a huge lift, and you wanted to, you wanted to to do this big grand healthcare plan, which you never specified. But right. why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it, Donald? Like, what are you, what are you going to do for people? What are you going to do for, you know, I thought Biden's best moments were when he's like, you've got that empty chair at the dinner table. A lot of families have that. Like, that was great. You just don't, you know, it, it few and far between, those moments are few and far between. So there's something that happens in politics, usually at the local level, not at the national level, where you have a great message and doesn't permeate. It doesn't get through to the right voters, Right. Well, maybe that's money. a problem with the messenger. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's the media. Um, Certainly just, doesn't help. I mean, I'm in a swing state right now and I'm seeing the ads all day long, but like there is a bifurcated, uh, I mean, it's, it's not even bifurcated. It's, it's, we have a generational issue. And, and I think this is ultimately the question I really wanted to ask you was because of the generational divide, right? It could end up being 10, I mean, in, in 2016, as we know all the issues in 2016 were different issues that led to the issues of this year that maybe Biden was supposed to address, but because there was this like cemented mindset of like Donald Trump, like even Biden can fix in their Neil or anybody, frankly, who knows if Bernie could have fixed it. But the reason I say this is the votes, the 77,000 voters that determined the election uh, supposedly in the Rust Belt the Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania voters that we're looking at now on the map, right? Say it's 10% of working people. Were those 10% ever swayable? You know, the supposed former Obama voters, Hillary against Hillary because of Fox News and like where they were supposed to swing back to Biden. I, I got more worried about them than the ones who for, stayed home. But here's the thing. Are they a factor in four years? I don't know if they're staying, but, but that's Walker. Right now, numbers are saying that stay home number is not a thing. Like in 2016 it was, gonna, now it's not. Maybe, I, I don't know, I, maybe, it, it, who knows? I think that there there will still be millions of Americans who haven't voted in this election. And of that's, course, but that's and, just and, the story and, of American electoralism. This could be the highest turnout since 1908, which is the highest turnout ever. So what's our excuse? I mean, what is, all I'm saying is like, we have a generational divide right now that is so stark that my concern is in four years when the generation that's actually determining our election, which is an older group of voters, um, I really think that, they're not going to be relevant next in four years. So let's maybe, I think as as millennials become a bigger part of the voting block, but look, Gen X ain't exactly the most progressive generation. They're, they're generation, certainly though, much smaller. One sixth, one sixth. That's true. Look, I think, I think as millennials come, come into their own and start voting and, and realize the importance of it. Um, 
And look, I, that is not a condemnation of people who say like, well, voting hasn't delivered. I sympathize with that position, but with like a 50% turnout rate for millennials, it would just totally change politics. And in a major, major way, like we are a much more progressive generation and we have to start using that, that power. Um, the problem is if Democrats really have lost this election or have lost it down ballot, um, which would be even worse than just losing the presidency, um, the structures are going to, to right. disen- disenfranchise uh, younger progressives. They're going to affect, them. and, and, you know, I've been, I've been on this since 2016 saying that the most important thing that to worry about in politics is the census. Um, because in 2010, the Republicans cooked up a plan called Red Map, which you know about. Um, Carl Rove announced it in the Wall Street Journal, I think in March of that year. And it was basically, we're going to pour money into the state races, and then we are going to draw the districts in such a way that we entrench majorities for Republicans at the state level and at the, at the, at, in Congress. And also, we, we're going to have red-leaning states with more electors and more people in Congress. So, uh, so explain that for folks who may not be familiar with the, the specific aspect of red states. So, so every, every 10 years, there's a census and after the census, uh, the data is collected and that data is used to draw congressional districts and state legislative districts. It's used to determine how many, uh, electoral college electors each state's each state has. It's meant to accurately reflect population trends. Um, and on the one hand, you have uh, Southern states, which are typically red states, gaining in population. Uh, and these are, st- these are states with entrenched Republican majorities that are structurally set up to have Republican majorities because they've had Republican majorities for, for decades and decades. And, and, and the powers in those states have set it up that way. Um, and so you have a, right now, Democrats are at a pretty big disadvantage um, in terms of the electoral college and, and actually you know, having power in, in DC, no matter what, what their numbers are, no matter how much they win by, they are at a disadvantage. Like, like Biden could have a turnout of 10 million people this election, which is why I'm like, I don't know if a broader working class message would have worked because Republicans have just, and, and, and frankly, Obama's fault in 2010 with his shellac. They fell asleep. They yeah. fell asleep at the wheel. And we lost a decade of gerrymandering. I mean, that that's what brings this four, five. I mean, we lost, Democrats lost four or five seats in New York to Republicans this year. In well, a there's no excuse, for, there's in, no in a excuse for that because, because New York is a Democratic state and has been for decades. So it's, you know. It's a, in, in a it's a generation <sighs> in a presidential year. Yeah, that's and like a bad some sign. of these seats, by the way, like I know them very well. Like my mom, my mom was elected official in Western New York. Sorry to go on a tangent, but I'm really I'm I think this is a huge indicator. I didn't know mom, that. Yeah, my mom was elected official. She's a legislator in Western New York, and she was in a three to one Republican district. She's the first Democrat ever elected, and she was a populist. And the you know, the Democratic establishment hated her. She's a populist, of course. I'm sensing um, a theme. 
Exactly. I didn't even understand. She, and the funniest thing is she, um, Erie County was, I've never really talked about this publicly, but Erie County was, uh, going through a major financial crisis. And my mom was head of the, um, the, the, the budget committee. And she went line by line in the budget and went, what, 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 what? And she, and, and the crate, and then I found out my grandfather did this in like his revolutionary club where he went line by line in the budget. So when that whole video went viral of me being like, where's the budget? Why is the DNC? My mom goes, do you know what video went viral of me viral in like 2006? So, so my mother was from this district that was, um, it was actually Chris Collins's district. Chris Collins, the one who went to jail, who supported uh, Donald Trump, the first person, uh, the first congressman to support Donald Trump. So Nate McMurray was running against Jay Jacobs, Jay Jacobs oligarch family, not not a Trumpian person, but lean Trump in this election. But Jay Jacobs was, was an oligarch from Buffalo. And um, this district, my mom flipped three to one Republican as a Democrat in the farmland just because she knocked on doors and they would say like, you're the first person who ever showed up here. And she ended up winning it over and over by 70%. Nothing in her is conservative. She's, I mean, I, I feel like there's a lesson there. Uh-huh. Pre-Bernie, right? I, and like my, like my mom, like, I don't want to like throw her out there, but she's just, she like studies tarot cards. <laughs> <She'll> like, <laughs> okay. She's like doing astrology readings on the side. Here I was just about to say, what is she doing now? Is she going to run? She does naturopathic. She represents naturopathic doctors. Um, But I say this because the Republican in that district is winning by 35 points right now. My mom won it by 70 points. And, and, And it's not, it's congressional versus legislative, but it almost entirely overlaps. Right. Look, it's Democrats have to do a better job of connecting with people. It's it 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 comes down to that. Like, and I, I hate to say it, but I think that I think that you know you're covered is a much better healthcare message than we're going to make sure that if you have a pre-existing condition, your insurance company can't charge can't arbitrarily say you're not covered for it. But if you can't afford your premiums or if you can't afford those copays. Well, you're shit out of luck. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to extend healthcare to everyone. I, I promise. I promise. I promise. Like, fuck that. Fuck that. Who, who, who is drawn to that messaging? How stupid do Democrats think people are? How stiff? Let me rephrase. How stupid do educated liberals from right. the coasts think that people in the interior of the country are? And That's right. These people could look, I, you know, there's people will say, well, it's just racism. And, and these people are, are racist and, and, and sure. But those, a lot of those people voted for Obama anyway. Mm-hmm. They were willing to do that anyway after the financial crisis or so, during, in the middle of. So what was it about, you know, both of us are old enough to remember. What was it about 2008 that, drew these working class voters who are probably in their forties at that point, the ones that are alive now and voting to Obama and, and then um, disassociate with Obama faster than they did from Bush. who was the lowest rated president of our lifetime. Let's just reinforce 
So a lot of them still voted for Obama in 2012. So, so, so it was, was it just Hillary? It, Hillary's like Fox News. Yeah. Attack? So I think there's a, there's a throw the bums out mentality mm. as well. Like Bush had been in office for eight years. The economy was collapsing. There were, the, the Iraq war was still going on and mm. still, still is going on. Um, Breaking news, war, guys. All, all the work still going on. Yeah. For, <laughs> you know, who, who knew? Um, but yeah, so that the country was there was a sense that Bush had sort of run the country into the ground and and like, hey, maybe maybe something new is good. So hope and change that that really resonated at that exact moment. And who represent who could possibly represent change better than America's first black president? And, and this this like I, I, I want to say like the most gifted politician of, of my lifetime um, in terms of just deli- in terms of delivery. And you think so? Oh, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, th- I think he was riding a wave. I, I think he was. It, it was both. But but well, part of it was recognizing how to ride a wave. Was it him or was it just OK? So I, I think that Bill Clinton was the gift, most gifted politician of our lifetime because for a lot of reasons. He helped orchestrate this neoliberal revolution. I'm again, not agreeing with it. Like we have to say these things on the left, but are we counting Reagan? Are we counting Reagan in this? Cause I I was born, I was born in 88. So he's technically in our lifetime. But he didn't orchestrate. He was still kind of like a, a, an avatar for their movement. And, and, especially in 88, like it was Nancy Reagan running the show in 88. But in, I don't know, I mean, Bill Clinton was very much at the table orchestrating the, the new Dems, orchestrating the, the, the rise of the neoliberal revolution internationally even, and thinking decades down the line and, you know, convincing Ross Perot to run the second time to influence election and like maybe even the first time, uh, we don't know if Ross Perot didn't run in 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 ninety eighty eight. What no ninety two? Excuse me, I can't even remember years. Um, if Ross Perot didn't run, Bill Clinton would have won. So like, I I actually feel like he was and he was gifted. He he ran against the times, whereas Obama was running with the times. Obama could so, have been a I, robot and won. So okay, so so when Clinton was elected the economy was recessed. It was, it was doing very badly. It was stale. It was nowhere near our past recessions that we've had. It it wasn't, it wasn't 2000, it wasn't 2008, but it was, it was still doing badly. And Reagan had had Iran Contra. There had been the savings and loans crisis. There'd been a number of, a number of things that were that, and, and George HW was a, a kind of a wet blanket who didn't turn things around and, no new taxes. Um, yeah, taxes. you know, boring. Like, you, you know, nobody, nobody really gave a shit. And I don't know. I, I think in order to get elected as America's first black president, Obama had to be that much more gifted. Just in terms of presentation, like the scrutiny that that man faced throughout his career to get to that point, the the fact that he was able to do it and still and still get there i think i think that's an added you know to his to his credit i think that is that is uh absolutely you know impressive as in terms of a politician 
but uh, you know, obviously when he got into office, he cared more about being the, the cool, you know, hip president than, than uh, turning, than actually delivering on the, on the hope and change. And I think the fact that he had been in office for eight years and people were like, well, you know, by the, by the time he got out of office, 75% of people with full-time workers were living paycheck to paycheck. Like that is a staggering number. Oh, that is that's... a staggering number because look, the American dream is you get a job, you work at that job and you are able to afford a home, a car, a family and, and, you know, a, a decent life. And that is just not a reality for people anymore. People in his own administration, you, you recall Van, I don't know how many people recall how Van Jones came into the national being, but he was ousted from the Obama administration for signing a, signing a petition, literally signing a petition. And, um, you know, when he started uh, an organization about rebuilding the American dream based on that number specifically, you know, it, it became the, 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 the transformative message in 2012 the progressives who had aligned with the Obama campaign who, who lost their way or, or, or vice versa went off and built their own operations and it still didn't work. I think what's really alarming about this election is the seeds were, um, they were planted in 2008 and whether we see it or not. And I know like the neoliberals like to say like, the racists in 2008 are the, the, the folks that are the Biden, the, uh, the Trump people today. Today, I see that in a way that is much more profound. I don't think that every Trump supporter is racist. I don't think the most radical Trump supporters are racist. But I think the orchestrators of the Trump revolution were the radical, racist, anti-Obama, Tea Partier, et cetera, voters that, that, that built up. I think the message that's going to come from the mainstream out of this election, whoever wins, is that that component of our society is much stronger than we could have ever predict predicted. There's like silent members, um, folks who just ended up, and 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 frankly, I think they're going to just they're not going to focus enough on the surgical elements of the Republican party in terms of voter suppression and gerrymandering and all the things that they've been doing for the last 20 years, 30 years. With that being said, even with this census being against us, the demographics are so overwhelmingly in our favor that in four years, I just don't think we're going to be in a similar situation. But, but I Trump, also Trump's biggest gains were among like Latino and Black voters. That was that's a significant thing this election. Hundred percent. But also not enough to win in two thousand twenty four. No, absolutely yeah. not. But but look, if anybody can can cock up an election, it's it's Democrats. Just you got to give you know credit where due. I. I thought this would be a fucking slam dunk. <laughs> and then they went and picked Biden. And then the collective groan from the progressive left, I think, uh, could be heard around the world at, at that point, after Super Tuesday. All these Posadists, you know, go. 
you can yell at me on Twitter all you want, but your UFOs coming in, do me a favor. The arguments I was making in the DNC New Reform Commission, which you know very well, were about three or four surgical elements of the DNC that we could have won over. One move entirely would have given us this election. And that was getting rid of conflicts of interest in the DNC. Um, I'm not- It's such a simple thing too. It's It's so It's so small. It's it's, it's like ridiculous. But but with that being said, like I'm, I'm done with that fight. I'm like done with it. But we have to be so strategic. It's not like, oh, we want a seat in Brooklyn like that. I mean, amazing that we have a squad that's so vocal that they're setting the policies of the Democratic Party and holding them hostage to that. With that being said, like, if we want to win power, we also simultaneously need to understand the multidimensional elements of this. We don't have a, we have a Senate full of neoliberals. John Nichols said this on my show today. John Nichols was like, as long as there are those neoliberals in the Senate, David Daly's the same thing. It's gonna be very hard for progressives to influence Biden if he's president in a way that we think we can influence him. So, so here's the thing, and, 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 and I don't think if Biden wins, progressives can't take the same approach that they took to Obama, which is we can work behind the scenes with the administration and that's how we'll get things done. You don't get shit done that way. That is not how you do it. You get shit done by holding this motherfucker again. Mother fracker? I heard he's a fracking person. Yes, that's, that's, that, yes, that's, that's what I said. Everybody heard that, right? You all heard that. Everybody watching this heard that. Yes, he's a fracker. In Pennsylvania and Ohio. But that's what you do. You 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 make a scene. You go out in the street. You 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 embarrass them. You, they were Democrats respond to fear and embarrassment, and that's it. You you don't work behind the scenes. Like well well you, you know well if Biden says we're not going to give you X Y or Z, it's like great great mother. You, you know if great you're not going to do that. Well guess what people are gonna are gonna like people don't like you as is. They don't like you. Nobody was excited about your candidacy. And I hope you enjoy being a really inconsequential president because that's what's going to happen. You don't give us any of our demands. Well, we're going to write the history books and your name is going to be, you know, dirt because you were a guy who got elected at a time when the need was extraordinary and whose vision was minuscule. So I have a weird question that I don't know if we're all ready to ask, but so if we were not an electoral year, I firmly believe that Trump would have moved further to the left on some key issues that would have solved uh, problems related to COVID and the economic crisis. But because we're in an electoral year, he had to like double down on not doing those things, or frankly, not doing anything. But now, whatever, say Trump wins. We know what we would do with Biden. But say Trump wins. Can the left pressure Trump to doing some things that are, no, materially? You don't think he'll just come out and say, like, Medicare for all? No. I don't think Donald Trump, I don't think there's an upside to to Donald Trump winning. uh, It's not an upside. No, no, no. It's just me being like, is there, because it's not an electoral year, he can move because he's trying to be a populist. (laughs) I know you you hate that result. She hates that result. (laughs) But 
but I don't we think I don't say think these there's things so clear. <laughs> no, I know because uh, because you the know internet. the the, yeah. the libs. Um, <laughs> uh, we love you. We don't, but we maybe <sighs> we're open. We're open to it. But anyway, um, yeah. No, look. Tr- <laughs> but I think I think I I think Trump without a, another election coming up is a completely unaccountable person who will do what he has done for the past three years uh, to the next degree, which is in, try to enrich himself. That's that's Trump's. I think his entire goal. Yeah. I think the man is devoid of empathy. I think he is, uh, he's incompetent. So I don't think that any solution he puts forward, he, he, I don't even think he'd have the wherewithal to put forward a, a meaningful healthcare reform package. I don't think he's capable of that. Um, and I so think that, that the people he surrounds that. himself with would never do that. Let's, let's look at the map right now um, because this is, this is a concerning aspect of this is i mean no are we we, doing this are we looking i mean well we haven't talked about like what happens if trump wins like who controls trump when he's not facing a re-election does he have to appeal to the right as far i mean does he have to do those things that he did because he wanted to get re-elected i don't i don't know who trump is when he isn't facing another re-election and we I think just as 2016, as much as we wanted to be very cautious about the le- this election in response to 2016, we also, I mean, the turnout. Okay, so right now we're still New York Times, uh, Biden's at 224 electoral votes, and uh, Trump is at 213. We're still Wisconsin, Wisconsin is at 90% reporting, 51% for Trump, 51.3%, and 47.2 for Biden. You're Michigan. Looking, you're looking where? I, I'm looking. At I'm the- looking at the AP. Okay, so I'm looking at your time. Maybe I have to refresh it. AP says Michigan 67% reporting. Donald Trump is at 53.4% and Biden is at 45. And Pennsylvania is at 64% reporting. Donald Trump is at 56.3% and Biden is at 42.5. I got to tell you, unless there are serious changes in the next, in the coming days because of mail-in ballots, which which is is very real is possible um but if there but if there aren't those changes and if if these numbers hold if donald trump's lead holds and he ends up winning a lot of a lot of election you know gurus are going to be you know like like bit or or silver cone how the polls don't fucking tell us anything well, the other thing is like the these guys, I mean, Nate Cohn did this whole thing about Arizona a couple of minutes ago, like an hour ago. Um, you know, I've I've like worked I've worked grassroots organizing in Arizona and it was just like delusional. He had no clue what he was talking about. He's like, well, you know, Republican I mean, he was actually actually echoing Republican talking points about Arizona. Like they talked to Doug Ducey and Doug Ducey said, blah, blah, and there's more votes for me to count it in, in Maricopa. I was looking at Maricopa numbers. I was looking at the districts. I knew exactly where these districts are. I organized in those districts. They're Spanish speaking districts, but that's the number. Like Arizona, in my opinion, has always been much bluer than anybody could have imagined. And the Republicans were never Trumpian Republicans. There's a small, small set. I mean, there's definitely Trumpian Republicans, but it's the, most of them are, are, 
are like NRA McCain voters. But that's the problem is like our electoral analysis is so centralized and so Schumer based, like Schumer picking cinema to represent Arizona or even Mark Kelly. I mean, actually, Mark Kelly is probably more accurate because of all the bases in Arizona. And there's a, you know, he is a yeah, he, he did it. He did a good job. Frankly, I mean, the irony of all this is Mark Kelly, the first sell was he was Gabby Gifford's husband, but it had nothing to do with that. It was because he was a veteran. Like, like that really was what it was about. It was just like veteran Mark Kelly versus female veteran. <laughs> female, I don't know about that. Uh, Mark Kelly, he also went to space. Like what? Right, yeah. <laughs> like man, he's a man. <sighs> he seems but- decent. <laughs> well i think you bring up a a good point which is that every race is local exactly fundamentally and 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 our understanding of these races is not um and that in a way that's sort of like we try to put like a one-size-fits-all answer it's the racism or it's the economics or it's the whatever and it's like you you have to look at the fucking realities on the ground in those places right like you know, if you're talking about the deindustrialized Midwest, talk about the deindustrialized Midwest. Talk about talk about the various demographics that live there. Talk about the black working class. Talk about the, you know, the 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 factory workers who who no longer can afford the 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 kind of life that their parents had. Like generational people who work generational jobs, sort of like in the same, like those those people are insecure today. Um, it, I mean, that's every race. Oh. I hate to break in, but Donald Trump is about to speak. Do we want to go to it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Walker, it's like three o'clock in the morning there. It's like midnight here. No, it's okay two. It's oh, two, two, right? Oh, two. It's the, yeah, the, the clocks went back. Yeah, thank you. Okay. All right, hang on one second. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, here we you go. can do that on, on this? Uh, I mean, I'll cut it in a little bit. What is this technology? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Hang on. I might get in trouble, but I'm hoping it works. Wait, I have to do C-SPAN, I think. I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, because they're going to be like, this is our angle. Let me, I mean, George <laughs> Stephanopoulos, he's Greek, right? That's fine. There you go. Uh, Org. Uh, ah, C-SPAN. Give me one second, guys. We're going to do this. Wow, George Stephanopoulos looks really old. <laughs> okay, here we go. President Trump's statement live. I mean, we'll that's do- what that's what I say every day when I wake up and look in the mirror. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? What, what happened? You used to be cool, dude. <laughs> it used to be. That's why you keep shaving your head and doing other things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's to, to relive the glory days of, oh my God. Oh, come on, with the ad, really? Hang on. Airline carrier, pro- whatever, skip ad. Proven Airline. training optimized for today. <laughs> can you see this, Walker? I can't tell. I can. You. Okay, good. I can indeed. I didn't know if I changed things around. Val Deming's one, shocker. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in Pam Keith. I've just, oh, Debbie oh, one. Y- yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> Yes, so glad we get we get more more Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the gift that no one asked for. <laughs> this is 
Is that enough flags, do you think? There's two, is there two? There's, wait, three, wait, the- six, nine, and then there's like nine behind it. Wait a minute, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. There's like I, 18 I have, flags. I have no idea. That is a shitload of, wow. I mean, look old too. They do. They do look old. They also, I'm not loving that like conical, conical shape there. Not, not I, this is. I'm sure. I'm sure all the right wingers who end up, you know, parsing like through your symbol. videos, like are going to be like, cues like, this is the symbol for blah 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 blah. When I covered the um. There was this Trump rally in this like pop up Q Trump rally in Scottsdale that I covered like a month and a half ago, and I remember I walked up to this guy and I, it was when Trump like a day after Trump had had was at Walter Reed, and I walked up to this guy who was wearing a Q shirt and I said, "So how do you feel about Trump um, having COVID?" And he was like, "It was part of his plan. He 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 mentioned to the world that he would be off the grid for eleven days." Oh my God! No. <laughs> No. What is the symbolism of this? Well, they, it just looks so militant. It's so militant, right? It's it looks like- very militant. It, 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 my, my, my thought was, uh, you know, clan, clan members and stars and stripes, but I'm sure, so, and I'm sure, as I was, I was saying, like, I'm sure somebody, some right winger who hates you is going to parse through this and be like, her guest said that the flags look like Klansmen. Look at this crazy liberal lady. <laughs> Sorry. In advance. Send them my way. <laughs> I will. So, I mean, okay. So, Walker, while we're waiting for uh, whatever this speech is supposed to be, it's the first time I ever covered a Trump speech on my show. Um, while we're waiting for these unmasked members of the audience who probably will get COVID in five minutes. Uh, yeah, that guy's not wearing a mask right there. Yeah, exactly. Nope, now there's that guy. Nope, nope. So, oh, they look happy. <laughs> Lee Zeldin, look at that. Look at that. New York's first. 65,000 dis- more votes. That's my home district. What? Yeah, so here's the thing. Why aren't... Okay, so every year, this is this is the district that I vote in because... Well, what district, district is it just for folks who... New York's first. So it encompasses like Suffolk County, which is uh, the, the Hamptons. Long Island, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Ooh, up oh my God, that's bad. And so... Sorry. That that's good though. Um, oh, hang on, hang on one second. I, I don't want to like... So AOC won by more votes or i'm sorry less votes than max rose lost by does that make sense or, or more Wait. i mean she i'm sorry she let's hang on my, my repeat does not district. compute <laughs> sorry my, my earpiece fell out my i'm not getting audio by the way oh you're not getting audio oh i have to do something hang on i think when you share the screen you have to click share audio as well you're right Ooh. and the only reason i know this is because i did a big halloween movie night with so you're right, Walker. political I, reporter I, says I might do this georgia it's down to 118,000 okay. votes in so wait i'm gonna lower down. their volume for a second um so what's really interesting about this is aoc lost 
or I'm sorry, won by fewer votes than in swing districts Democrats lost by. Does that make sense? The margin between AOC and her Republican was smaller than the margin between Max Rose and Nicole Malliotakis. So meaning the Republican came closer to AOC than the Republican and Democrat were in swing districts. That's really bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just shows you the money that they're putting into these districts is very serious and it's terrifying. It's, it's artificial. And I mean, that's my whole theory on this. And I don't know if I write something about it later, but like, this is an artificial election. This is a strategic surgical election based on the amount of money, the districts. I mean, I don't even know if Trump's team was this sophisticated or they, they just were just throwing shit out. Um, but it's pretty bad. Oh my God, Mike Siegel. I called, I called it for Mike Siegel earlier tonight because uh, it was called for him on Twitter and I just went with that. <laughs> and he, he, he lost big time. This is very bad. <laughs> These results are very bad. The, 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 and, and the reason why this is very bad, if folks aren't understanding why, presidential years, when Republicans have such low, um, okay, so Donald Trump's enthusiasm is the lowest in history. His approval ratings are lowest in history. These are the years when we, we just, we just, it's like movement years. This is bad. I see. I see one mask. That guy in the in the corner who's now has got a head blocking him, over by the pillar, just to the left of the pillar. There's oh, a guy he, in that he's mask. Secret Service. Uh, oh well, so so never mind. Do, do we count him then? You see this guy right? I don't know if you can see my cursor on screen. Oh yep Ooh, yep. Oh, can you see my cursor? What yep, is going the on? Secret Secret Service all have masks. There we go. Can you see my cursor? I can. That guy. Oh, that's great. That's a great advantage. So he kind of looks like Pete Buttigieg. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is a real issue. Like, if Democrat, I've always said, like, Democrats, the Democratic Party is such a failure because the only times they ever win is when the Republicans are performing so poorly. The Republicans are performing historically worse than they've ever, I mean, literally, like, since they've been measuring this, and we still couldn't win and we couldn't win down ballot in states that are democratic. This is horrifying, Walker, like bad, like bad, bad, bad. When we're losing states and seats in New York and 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 AOC is winning by a, 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 a like a closer margin than like in swing states in New York. What's going on here? This is bad. Okay, here we go. Oh, look at it. It's, it's- No, it's the whole game. Who's that other one? <laughs> yeah, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and you've got the wealthy, the wealthy, uh, you know, older folks up front who are just enjoying. Ladies and gentlemen, the president the White of the House, United States, Donald again. J. Trump. Know. Tie, 
thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please sit. Thank you. This is, without question, the latest news conference I've ever had. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. And I want to thank the American people for their tremendous support. Millions and millions of people voted for us tonight. And uh, a very sad group of people is trying to disenfranchise that group of people. And we won't stand for it. We will not stand for it. I want to thank the First Lady, my entire family, and Vice President Pence, Mrs. Pence, for being with us all through this. And we were getting ready for a big celebration. We, we were winning everything, and all of a sudden it was just called off. The results tonight have been phenomenal, and we are getting ready. I mean, literally, we were just all set to get outside and just celebrate something that was so beautiful, so good, uh, such a vote, such a success. The citizens of this country have come out in record numbers. This is a record. There's never been anything like it to support our incredible movement. We won states that we weren't expected to win. Florida, we didn't win it. We won it by a lot. And we won the great state of Ohio. We won Texas. We won Texas. We won Texas by 700,000 votes, and they don't even include it in the tabulations. It's also clear that we have won Georgia. Yeah. We're up by 2.5 percent, or 117,000 votes with only 7 percent left. They're never going to catch us. They can't catch us. Likewise, we've clearly won North Carolina. Where we're up 1.4 percent, or 77,000 votes, with only approximately 5 percent left. They can't catch us. Catch us? We also, uh, if you us? look and you see uh, Arizona, we have a lot of life in that. And somebody said, somebody declared that it was a victory for. That's a lot of life. Will be. I mean, Declared it was a victory but for Biden. A lot of Somebody, votes out there like that we could get because we're now just coming Fox into what declared. they call Trump territory. I don't know what you call it, but these were friendly Trump voters, what? and that could be overturned. The gentleman that called it, I watched tonight. He said, "Well, we think it's fairly unlikely that he could catch." Well, fairly unlikely, <laughs> and we don't even need it. We don't need that. That was just a state that if we would have gotten it, it would have been nice, Arizona, but. There's a possibility, maybe even a good possibility. In fact, since I saw that originally, it's been changed, and the numbers have substantially come down just in a small Coming amount of Coming for Sarah Cooper's so job. We want that, obviously, <laughs> to stay in play. Please but most worry. importantly, we're <laughs> winning Pennsylvania by a tremendous amount of votes. That's, uh, that is abysmal. Nobody's aware. <laughs> Like Nobody's wearing okay. No one's wearing a mask. That guy in front. 
The numbers in Pennsylvania are fucking terrible. We're up 600. Think of this. Think of this. Think of this. We're up 690,000 votes in Pennsylvania. 690,000. That is true. That's fucking abysmal. These aren't even close. It's not like, oh, it's close. With 64% of the vote in, it's going to be almost impossible to catch. And we're coming into good Pennsylvania areas where they happen to like your president. I mean, it's like, uh, oh my God. So we'll probably expand that. Uh, we're winning Michigan, but I'll tell you, I looked at the numbers, I said, whoa. I looked, I said, wow, that's a lot. By almost 300,000 votes and 65% of the voters in. And we're winning Wisconsin. And I said, we're winning. We don't need all of them. We need, because when you add Texas in, which wasn't added, needs I two. spoke with the really wonderful governor of Texas just a little while ago. Very wonderful. Greg Abbott, he said, uh, congratulations. He called me to congratulate me on winning Texas. I mean, we won Texas. I don't think they finished quite the tabulation, <laughs> but there's no way. And uh, it was almost complete, but he congratulated me. Then he said, by the way, what's going on? I've never seen anything like this. Can I tell you what? Nobody has. So we won by 107,000 votes. Imagine that, waiting for the votes to come in. The, it's the horror. So when you take those three states in particular, and you take all of the others, I mean, we have, we have so many. We had such a big night. I have to remember the You just take a look states. at all of these states that we've yeah, won tonight. just take a look at this and list. And then you take a look paper. at the West kind of Dakota, margins that we've won about. <laughs> And, and all of a sudden, it's not like we're up 12 Dakota. votes and we have 60% left. We won states, and all of a sudden, I said, what happened to the election? It's off. And we have all these announcers saying, what happened? And then they said, oh, because you know what happened? They knew they couldn't win, so they said, so they said let's go to court. And did I predict this? New? Did I say like, this? I've been listen, saying this guys, from the day I heard they, knew that, like, they were going to send out tens of millions of ballots. Yeah. I said exactly because either they were going to win or if they didn't win, they'll take us to court. So oh, your campaign oh filed lawsuit after a lawsuit. No, wait, well, what was it? Ohio. Hold on, hold on, wait. Think of this. Mute, mute the asshole. Mute Ohio, the asshole for a second. I don't know, I, I almost want to know what Ohio. he's saying. It's just, it's just this thing underneath. Just, I, just, I just couldn't hear what you said about Shawhead. Shawhead is at 20% right now. It's a rich district. We have to be really conscious of that. Like, it is. Just like against 15. Debbie. But it's like, just like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, it's very hard to run a working class message in a very wealthy district. And Debbie is like, like you can't penetrate the, you can't penetrate like, like the voters who have like gates around them. You can't get in. It's true. It's true. Right, let's hear what the, let's hear what the jack offs that, sorry. Just profane so on the stream. Is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation, this is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. Amar, look at that. Wow, law he's close. to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at strategy all, four o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay. It's it's a very sad. Find ballots. It's a very this is the strategy moment. all along. To me, this is put a very your, sad Put your moment. justice and on and get the. We know, will win the... this, and we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. So I just want to thank you, and I want to thank all of Declaring our. Declaring victory before all the votes I want to thank all of the people that worked with us, and uh, Mr. Vice President, say a few words, please. Please. Thank you, Mr. President. I want to join you in, in thanking more than 60 million Americans who have already cast their vote for four more years for President Donald Trump in the White House. And while the votes continue to be counted, uh, we're going to remain vigilant, as the President said. Uh, the right to vote has been at the center of our democracy since the founding of this nation, and we're going to protect the integrity of the vote. Uh. But I really believe with all of my heart, with the extraordinary margins, Mr. President, that you've inspired in the states that you just described uh, and the way that you launched this movement across the country to make America great again, uh, I truly do believe, as you do, that we are on the road to victory and we will make America great again, again. The Folgers makes one hell of a cup of coffee. Again squared. I swear to God, Mike Pence, Mike Pence missed his calling in life, which was selling coffee. <laughs> you know, Folgers in the morning is one hell of a cup of coffee. That's how I like to wake up in the morning with a <laughs> stiff, hard, firm cup of joe. Next to Giant. mother. <laughs> to mother. I can't believe how many people don't know the mother thing. I bring that up in like casual so family weird. forums and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, reactions to that. Let's go to Joe's commentary in a second. There, this was obviously their strategy all along and everybody called it. Uh, and um, yeah, what a fucking democracy. It's a threat to the, the integrity of the vote to count every single one. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, we're uh, we're going to suspend voting. And then, like, like P Pence gets on. He's like, we respect democracy. And we're going to count all the... What? What? This is... It's... Okay. I understand this is a Republican <laughs> strategy, but can we just look at this from the historic consequences? Like, this is... That's a coup. That's... Right. That's, like... I have to cut my words on late night YouTube. That is straight up coup tactics. Like the votes, when we say the votes are not in tonight, I know people are feeling very frustrated and the turnout is extraordinarily high. But like to put this in context, in the states that we need to understand whether or not who won the election, there's like six states, seven states right now, that is like 10 million voters. Okay? Like, that haven't been counted now 1.9 uh mail-in ballots in wisconsin yeah 
with that being said, like maybe 20% of those voters are undecided. But that's still a very significant chunk of the electorate that has not been uh, accounted. And so, you know, in 2016, it came down to one or two states, 77,000 votes. We had a very good sense as of 9 p.m. on the East Coast what had happened based on South Florida. This time around, we don't have that. And we knew that all along and we knew it was going to happen. I think all of us were banking on some sort of big, massive blowout. And I think the, the, the turnout turned out to be just as much Republican as it was supposed to be Democratic. Does not let mean this, it's not going to sway our direction. Let this be a lesson to all of us. You know, don't, <laughs> don't, don't take uh, big numbers as, as, a, as a sign that, you know, you've inherently won. I mean... But with that being said, like there's been massive voter suppression in Pennsylvania, like in areas. So like, you know, we have to take all these things into consideration. Yes. With that being said, you you have a, a significant chunk of voters that have not been able to, that will sway this election, that have not been decided on, been voted. We haven't counted their votes and they're, they're declaring it. Um, but we knew that. We knew that all along. So let's let's quick let's go to Biden real quick uh, and see what he said. He he did this like about an hour and a half ago. Oop, I'm not going to my email. Where am I? Where did I go? I, I will say this: yeah. the urge to tell people, like the 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 centrists who pop into my feed every now and then, like after 2016, the urge was to say, like, "You lost, you stupid mother." You know that that urge was was very much there after 2016, and. I imagine now, if if the numbers hold for Trump, it's going to be an overpowering urge in 2020. For them to for, say that we lost? No, no. For leftists to tell the liberals, oh, like, yeah. you stupid, you know, you okay. lost. Let's, let's hold that like, point until after Biden, because I do think there's a, there's a much deeper analysis there that, like, let, let's just hold on that for a second. Let's go okay. Biden and see what he has to say. Which should have been breaking news for us, by the way. Uh, whoop. <laughs> Vice President Biden already. Wow. Does it work? Right, which, yeah, which is yeah. good. Um, um, I kind of expected that from California. And Here. Oh, the honking. Honk, honk. Good evening. Your patience is commendable. We knew this was going to go long, but who knew we're going to go into maybe tomorrow morning, maybe even longer? We did. Look, (laughs) we feel good about where we are. We really do. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. We knew because of the unprecedented early vote and the mail-in vote, that it's going to take a while. We're going to have to be patient until we, uh, the hard work of tallying the votes is finished. And it ain't over till every vote is counted, every ballot is counted. It ain't over is a... Uh... 
is clearly a message of somebody who is but we're feeling good confident we're feeling good we're feeling about good. where we are we believe one of the nets has suggested we've already won arizona but we're confident about arizona that's a turnaround we also just called it for minnesota and we're still in the game in georgia although that's not one we expected and we're feeling real good about wisconsin and michigan and by the way, it's going to take time to count the votes. We're going to win Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'm going to talk to the folks in Philly, Allegheny County, Scranton, and they're really encouraged by the turnout and what they see. Look, you know, we could know the results as early as tomorrow morning, but it may take a little longer, as I've said all along. It's not my place or Donald Trump's place to declare who's won this election. That's the decision of the American people. But I'm optimistic about this outcome. And I want to thank every one of you who came out and voted in this election. And by the way, Chris Coons and the Democrats, congratulations here in Delaware. Because that was close. John Hey, John, the gov, yeah. I, I, oh, my team, God. Man. You've done a great job. I'm grateful <laughs> to the poll workers, to our volunteers, our canvassers, everyone who participated in this democratic process. And I'm grateful to all of my supporters here in Delaware and all across the nation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And folks, you heard me say it before. Every time I walk out of my grandpa's house up in Scranton, he'd yell, Joey, keep the faith. And my grandma, when she was alive, y'all know Joey, spread it. What? Keep the faith, guys. We're going to win this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your patience is great. Let's walk over here. <laughs> what? That was it. Let's walk over here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jackie Wilson. Well, he's Mark Warner. I'm not gonna let the I'm not gonna let the Democrats ruin this song for me. Paula <laughs> <laughs> Jean, 27%. Imagine if they invested. I know. Imagine. Money. Imagine. No, no, no. Wait. Imagine if they had taken like half of what Thank they you. gave to. Amy McGrath and gave it to Paula Jean instead. So I, I, I want to, um, I want to reiterate something over and over. And I said on majority report, and I'm starting to really see it in the house races, presidential years, especially when Republican approval ratings are so low, they should be side and, and frankly turnout is historically higher than it's ever been, ever. 1908 is the closest and we still don't know the numbers and I think it's probably higher than ever. It is, and the demographics are of the nation, the popular vote, like Biden might win the popular vote by like 6 million votes, just to put this in perspective. We have lost more seats than we gain in the midterms. In Congress, we're going to lose the Senate. Um, 
this was not a year where we like lost the presidency, won the Senate, lost the presidency, lost the Senate, kept the, con we lost seats in Congress. It, is, it may, it may turn out uh, worse. <laughs> Sorry. Is, you were, no, I mean, all I'm saying is there was nothing in the history that pertains to this moment, nothing in our predictions. You know, you can go back and flip everybody's perspective, but this is, um, I, I mean, maybe it's COVID. Like, there, I don't think there's anything, I, I, and I even said this on Majority Report, like, I don't even know if Bernie on the ticket would have helped this. I really don't. I, 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 don't, I don't know at this point because the traditional types of organizing did not happen and it probably wouldn't have happened under Bernie either. And Trump's base was so freaking like solidified beyond. I mean, maybe, maybe it's, I, 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 maybe it's just generational, maybe in four years, but what scares me is, is that this is a zero year. This is a year where redistricting is going to set the map for the next 10 years. And we might be in a situation in 2030. At that point, the Democratic Party base, or who right. the, right. the, that at that point, it's nullified. It doesn't. It doesn't right. win. So you have to either, if you're an, if you're a left wing person, you have to figure out how you build a coalition that that circumvents that. I, mean, I think that's the answer. It's like like 2020 was a year to mobilize the Democratic Party base around something that they found unifying and exciting and you know that candidate i think was bernie sanders uh if there was a candidate who, who ran who could have done that i think that candidate was bernie uh whether or not he would have ended up carrying it across the you know into the end zone finish i i'm terrible with sports analogies uh, whether or not sanders would have sounds great to me i don't know sports <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah did he hit I, down the line that's all i know is tennis <laughs> that's tennis okay so yeah so, so whatever it is to like to to finish strong like if, if sanders would have done that i don't know but but 2024 is going to be or 2022 and 2024 is going to be a year to redefine the democratic base um because the current setup between wealthy suburbanites and uh and or uh, city voters, it's not going to work. It's not going to win. You're you're going to be gerrymandered out of power. You're going to be you're going to be disenfranchised, and you have to figure out ways to make a base um, around around those lines. And I I have to say though, the way to do that, I think, is to run as as a, a genuine populist. Issues that appeal to the most people possible. Um, and I know that's not going to be popular for a lot of people on the left who, who want to give a little bit to every, everybody. Uh, but I, I, I think that, you know, you need an agenda that's, that, that is, is as universal as possible. And then you can, you know, tie things in that little bits to, to different, to different groups. Well, I think this is why, I mean, it's going to be very hard because it requires big money, like lots of small dollar donations that went to Ossoff and to McGrath need to go towards challenging um, cinemas and, and what's his name in West Virginia and Schumer's and, and frankly, even 
uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. I mean, instead of going after Schumer, if you really want to get Schumer, go after Gillibrand. Because first of all, it's way more achievable. Right. Or, I mean, w- with the right candidate, obviously. And the same thing with, right. with these other neoliberals. But that's how you get to the root of power. And, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but like, I'm looking at this phase of our revolution as the warfare part. Like, it is. It is absolutely. You're, you're right. But here's the thing Trump made gains with people of color this election with an agenda that every liberal media outlet has said is just, it is race. It's abject. It's only racism. Well, clearly, mm-hmm. some of that appeals to, you know, enough that he's making gains with those groups. So what is it about your messaging? Why aren't you winning in the numbers that you need to be winning at? Like, clearly you're not doing something right. Clearly you are losing ground here. And that is that is a big problem. What are you not offering? And it's, you know, there was talk about reparations in the Democratic primary. Oh, oh, reparations exactly, became exactly. an issue in the Democratic primary, which is huge. It's great. We should absolutely pay reparations. It is a debt owed. But if you're losing ground to a guy who is running on tough on crime and quote unquote law and order, what the fuck are you doing wrong? Like, I don't know. I mean, this, this will be, this is the first draft of the first, the first attempt at an autopsy. I'm sure that you and I will both go back and revisit this over the coming weeks and months and years and and have and and sort of you know perfect the analysis or 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 hone it i should say um, and and i want to be like coming from the perspective of working on campaigns before i would always i i have to say this like if you're really careful about folks who come out of campaigns who are like coming out with books and be like i was right without any <laughs> i saw a lot of that on twitter tonight and I was just like, Nomi and I are writing a book together. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> called We're Responsible for the Ethnic Vote in Long Island. Um, yeah. No, but but it, it but it really does come down to like there's there's what a great title. Want, you know these are these are we don't I I I'm very careful about the word grift because I think it's like overused. But this is there's there's like I wrote a book and now I'm going on TV and now I'm selling my consultancy on this thing. But this stuff requires. When, when a, a demographic shifts extraordinarily in one direction, it requires a tremendous amount of decades long work. And, you know, again, I'll go back to Arizona because it's just so key in, key in this moment. And also I've done a lot of work there. Like that, there were organizations working in Arizona to turn out key demos that were being ignored. And they were fighting with the Democratic Party, by the way, when it, at a time pre-Bernie, like it was not popular to fight with the Dems. And they were doing it because they realized that their votes were being counted. And then it turned out for uh, the Democratic primary and it, and it possibly was going to be indicative, at least on a national level, in this election, it turned out in um, Arizona. But it doesn't mean that like it was invented last cycle. To turn out, the lesson here is if you have key voters that have not turned out in previous elections, it takes three, four elections cycles to turn them out. It's not two years, it's not four years. It's not knocking on every door. It is a tremendous amount of organizing and possibly even policies to shift them. Like 
it's just how it works. I mean, I'm sorry. Like Trump captured a moment um, because Democrats ignored working class voters for three decades. It's what true. Is, it's true. It's, this isn't going to be something that you reverse in, in a short time. You have to build trust back. And I don't think Democrats have that trust. I think, and I think that's why their, their messaging on the, on the pandemic wasn't uh, as effective maybe as it, as it could have been. Um, also maybe why a candidate like Bernie would have done a little better because somebody who has, I, I don't think anybody would look at Bernie Sanders and deny the, his belief in what he's saying. But Biden talking about fucking like, sorry, I keep swearing on your stream. I'm only hearing fracking. Fracking. Fracking is all Biden talked about. We know that. But Biden, yeah, Biden coming out and saying like, we are going to invest big in green energy and we're not going to cut things. We're not, we're going to, you know, spend and great. But like, I wish that you had come to this realization before this year. <laughs> like, so, so like, this, is, this is a beautiful example of why we all have to study history of movements and organizing. And I try to keep things very basic. Like we could go into Posadism. We could go into like the nuances of the Russian revolutions and the Mexican world. I'm not, that's not, that's not my space. And I say that because I love my leftist friends who, who get into these theoretical arguments of like historic consequences from a hundred years ago. We're living in this <laughs> moment and the consequential issues have to do with material, as they did back then, by the way, uh, material issues. Let's speak right. human. Okay, let's speak human here for a second. We are from France. No, <laughs> no but like, let's, let's speak human here for a second. We have this moment where... Um, There's an enormous amount of progressive energy and some of it has, has succeeded in making phone calls for progressive candidates that have flipped districts and those, that's extraordinary. But we are nowhere near the number where it's actually going to make a consequential difference. Like the wave right. that we need is like 30 seats, not like three election cycle. I'm, I'm just going to be real. Or 80, like the yeah, Tea Party wave. It, no, that, that's exactly it. Like because of the way that they're rapidly pushing back against us and also the same exact time progress there like with every election cycle progressives win a few seats and the movement wins a few people like compromise to the neoliberals and their organizations you know i love sunrise i think sunrise is brilliant and i'm not i'm not criticizing but like they wrote the climate policy for joe biden which is an act in working with joe biden rather than pressuring Joe Biden. Right. And, and this is how progressive groups end up losing because Biden has no intention of doing that climate policy and I he has that. no, in, no intention of doing. <laughs> yeah. Look, we, we all live through Obama. Obama made a lot of promises, talked with the grassroots groups. And as soon as he got elected, he turned right to wall street, let them pick his cabinet and, and gave us some weak reform. And where can I get one of those mugs? Because that's awesome. Oh my God, um, I'll send you one. I will do it. Anybody yes. want them? The nomikisho.com. But you get one for free. Walker. <laughs> as soon as we that's have a awesome. mail, uh, <laughs> a post office, a postal service again, you'll get it. Yeah. 
which by the way i'm sure we can expect like in the next couple of weeks after the votes are counted oh, yeah. and the election back is to decided norm. back to normal <laughs> everything will be fine um but yeah no uh sorry where were we i got distracted uh, by the oh yeah obama he he gave us the heritage foundation's healthcare plan from the 90s some weak right. wall street reform and a stimulus that was good but way too small because larry summers was uh you know involved with it and and ultimately look donald trump is as much obama's legacy as the result of anything i mean you can draw a straight line from the 2008 crash to donald trump you know i I know polls polls say like well the these these donald trump voters prioritized issues like immigration and not the economy yeah immigration is framed through an economic lens it's 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 they took your jobs they took your they they're taking your livelihood and they're robbing you of your culture it's 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 tying it's the wedding of economic concerns and and cultural concerns this is it's a whole god yes i don't know why this is so controversial it is it is unbelievably controversial controversial because folks i mean listen like because obama has a legacy to defend obama so, so this is ultimately the issue with this election in 2016 Obama was so concerned with defending his legacy that, you know, Keith Ellison was challenged at, I mean, Keith Ellison and Bernie Sanders were the sponsors of the Fight for 15 and for Medicare for All and challenged Obama on multiple issues vociferously. And and in, in a point where Obama was publicly challenging Keith Ellison for being unruly. And so when Keith Ellison ran, I mean, I, I, I really think that in the arc of history, Keith, Keith Ellison does not get the credit he deserves and maybe he will because he's in a really seismic um, moment in, in Minnesota at a, you know, prosecuting white supremacists and, and the police. It, I'm grateful for that. And like Tom it's good of you. It's good of you to distinguish those groups. Who? The police and white supremacists. They're both the same, but yeah. it's, the, it's the same group. <laughs> I usually associate them together. Yeah. I, <laughs> if anybody watches my show, they know that I'm always like, meanwhile, the FBI is investigating white supremacy and police <laughs> unions. I say it like every single show, it's become a thing. Because um, I just don't think that anybody should get sick of hearing that. <laughs> they need to hear that. But, but, but Keith, we've Ellison, investigated ourselves and we found nothing wrong. Sorry. <laughs> That's a very New York thing, by the way. Um, it's a joke, people. I joke. am. <laughs> so, so Keith Ellison, you know, there, Obama, like, was angry. I mean, I think, I think so much of the Bernie Ellison wave was, I know this because I talked to their folks. It was him just being angry that there was a more leftist position of his policies and the leftist challenge to him. And it was personal at a moment when the, the the circumstances were so dire and like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really, I'm, Matt Stoller is going to be on our show tomorrow. So make sure to tune in at 3 PM Eastern, but. Oh, that's a great, that's a great gut. It was, it was just like a, I, we booked him. We want to talk about monopolies. He's like, I can only be on tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, it's the day after the election, but it's actually perfect because Obama was so angry about the, per- he was, it was like personal resentment. Be willing to take, but that's ultimately when you look at like the moments when empires collapse, it comes down to like a personal reaction. It comes down to like 
that guy pissed me off and I like didn't want to give him a minute. I didn't want to threat to the well, Bernie's liked by all the kids. Well, I was liked by the kids. Yeah. I think, I think for Obama, I think for Obama, it was, it was a lot of ego and, um, yeah, how could it not be? The guy was built up as this, uh, the, you know, the the greatest thing since sliced bread, and nobody really. And when it came down to like what he actually did, I mean, we talked about it. He, the the gig economy is Obama's, and I think I think the young people that grew up or came came of age with Obama, not with him, but as he was ascending uh, to the presidency. The young people that voted for him and loved him sort of got a taste of what he did when they aged out of their parents' insurance, aged off their parents' insurance, and and then all of a sudden had to deal with healthcare costs, and then were thrown into the gig economy, and we're like, well, I'm not saving anything, and well, I don't really have any, I don't really have any benefits, and you know, I mean, that's, I think that's that's a lot of people, or maybe you know, and those are just the ones who whose parents had insurance in the first place you know there's the and like there's those are the the privileged kids then you have the the people without that privilege who kind of knew i think much sooner than everybody else that this guy was was hype um folks that were being deported before the news was comfortable covering that um which of course that was the original latino organizing in states like nevada and arizona and why they were able to move a little bit more blue was because, you know, I, I don't credit Bernie for the massive leftist Latino. I, I credit the folks that were dreamers that were organizing 10, 10 years before Bernie. And I know folks want to take credit for that, but, you know, Voto Latino in 2004 and 2006 that were organizing in those states because they knew very well what was happening. Um, they were organizing against Obama in 2010. They were going into places that, that folks that the Democratic Party wasn't doing. They weren't going into those those districts because they just didn't see it. But you know you can't ignore you can't ignore those the you know communities. You have to and look I have to say and, and I know that this this may be a controversial this might get you know the hot take territory, but like Democrats are much more I'm going to start with less controversial and then we'll build into the controversial moment. So like stick with me here for a second. So, so just start out and let's lay the base, the, the baseline. This is what we'll build the hot take off of. Democrats are into sort of performative politics, like Nancy Pelosi kneeling, you know, yeah, it, everybody knows the image or shredding paper or the seal clap, but, but specifically like the, the cultural pandering or Beto O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke, the name even yeah. <laughs> you know uh and and the the contest on the debate stage who can speak spanish best like best or biden fumbling with his phone and playing despacito um that yeah that 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 and it fits with this like you remember that book, White Fragility, that everybody, yeah. when, when, when the whole conversation about racial justice started happening, immediately the first voice that everybody turned to was a white woman who wrote a book about it. Um, not to say that her credentials aren't, you know, I'm not disparaging her credentials at all, but in a moment where we're supposed to be, where it's supposed to be about listening to people of color, it very quickly became about listening to white people 
reflecting on what they think was powerful. Um, Rather than a Michelle Alexander or Angela Davis or- Exactly. I mean, there's a long list of folks, even Tennessee Coates, whatever. Like. So I think that Democrats don't like talking about economic stuff because they don't really, they don't support those policies. They don't support policies that would materially lift people of course. out. But a policy like Medicare for all, was the hot take, would do more for communities of color than 100,000 hours of white fragility training at corporate headquarters across America. It's just not even a fucking contest. Yeah. Like it would do so much more to, to and, and, and you, you instantly, the first party to pass a universal healthcare plan and one that people can afford and one that works, you control politics for the next generation. There's no, there's no doubt. You, you can't, your opposition will spend decades trying to undo what you've already done. It'll be like FDR again. Listen, the Republicans have spent 10 years trying to undo a broken, imperfect healthcare system and they haven't provided anything, anything. Let but the polling, on, the polling on that healthcare plan isn't, isn't great. True, but their alternative, they, they haven't presented a solution, right? Right. And, and I don't even know if their anti-Obamacare message, it hasn't worked because people love their Obamacare. Um, well, I, I think the, I think what's worked if, to hurt Obamacare is the reality of the prices people are paying. Without a doubt. And like, I think, so my perspective on this is, is, is you're, you're hundred percent correct. If we championed Medicare for all instantly, immediately, it would shift everything because Republicans, I don't even know. I mean, I have this theory on, on, on the pandemic that, we're in a situation in which healthcare is tied to employment, right? Um, or not, by the way, and becomes state funded and it's basically Medicare for all, depending on what state you're in. In New York, yes, in, in states where there's not automatic- Yeah, Medicaid, but New York Medicaid is pretty bad. <laughs> I'm just saying like- it's, I'm, Right, I, no, I, I, I got the, it. For the basics of this conversation. Here I am being unnecessarily arguing. Right, <laughs> so- so you have a situation in which um, your 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 healthcare is tied to employment. Um, it's 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 Obamacare, or you have to be a certain level, whatever. And in a pandemic, where like, okay, great, you made sixty thousand dollars the first six half the first half of the year, zero after. You don't qualify for Obamacare. You have COVID. You. Like, like you can't afford your healthcare, you're tied to it, like whatever it is, and you don't have work anymore. It's a really tough situation for a significant chunk of Americans, and it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And Enjoy I, your pandemic. Exactly. But, <laughs> but I think it's going to hurt insurance companies. So the whole system is bound to keeping these interests, these insurance companies afloat, who can't stay afloat. If there's no, if there, if the jobs can't keep them afloat. Well, their the whole, companies... their whole model, their whole model is, is pay out as little as possible and take in as much as possible. And if your job says, we're not going to, we, we can't afford your insurance anymore. They, they just shift the cost onto the workers. You can keep it, but you gotta, you gotta pay a little extra or 
no, you know, not a little extra. There's a thing called COBRA. Sorry. But wait, but, but, but Walker, if there's no workers and there's no job and there's no company, there's no insurance company that can stay afloat. If, if, if they lose 20% of, of, of their businesses that subscribe to their um, insurance, like whatever their insurance system is, they're screwed. So I've, I've just, I've just, this is the part, like, I really don't understand if the whole business model of insurance companies is broken, doesn't that mean we have to go to Medicare for all? You would think, you would think, but there's a lot of money going, uh, flowing into to politics to prevent that. I, I honestly think that, you know, as a concept, I don't think anybody really disagrees no. with Medicare for all, or, or I'm sure some people do, but just generally speaking, you know, oh, I get to go to a doctor and I don't have to pay like when I'm at the office. What was and the I guy's can... name who ran for president? John, John Delaney? He, he disagrees. Okay. Well, sentient human thumbs aside. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> no. Amy, Amy John, 2024. <laughs> and I said, I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. <laughs> Sorry. That's 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 my Klobuchar impression. Oh my god, they had so much they had so much debate time. Looking back at it, oh my god. Why? And and they she got hyped up so much, like endorsed by the New York Times. What? What? What the fuck? Who 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 was who was voting for her? I'm really excited about you know you know something I think. I think you'd have a harder time finding an excited Klobuchar supporter than like, like even a Biden supporter. Like, like people. Yeah, I've ju- never met a Klobuchar supporter ever. They, I saw I saw a video of uh, people outside, and they're like, "I really like uh, what that Amy is saying." Of course, they're like 70, 80 years old. Really like what that Amy is saying. So what dream? Times or after? Dream smaller. They ask for less. So tell the same horrible joke a hundred thousand times. <laughs> Can I tell you about my New York Times story? Please. Because I think this is indicative. So the New York Times, um, remember when they were doing those videos with all the candidates and like they're in the boardroom and they're all sitting there and they're asking questions like, but like, whatever those stupid questions were. And they're like rolling their eyes at Bernie and and it was just, it was horrifying. And it was very, and Bernie is like, they were, you know, Bernie's like, I don't send enough birthday cards. Meanwhile, <laughs> I've actually gotten a birthday gift from Bernie. It was the irony of this whole situation. I'm like, Bernie literally sent me a book and a note and lotion. Like, I don't even talk. Not, like, I'm not like going to call these. you. I'm not going to say happy birthday. I'm, I'm not going to, not going to send my condolences when your dog dies. <laughs> I'm not going to, not going to give you a handshake. You know, if I'm sick, I've got a cold. Actually had that from Bernie. Like it was the most exciting. It was like a year where no one wished me a happy birthday, and I got a package up outside my door, and it was his book. And they gave me like organic lotions. Like the- it was crazy. <laughs> it was the. I mean, I I do think it was his team, but like he signed it. <laughs> you know me. Do do something about your face. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> no, it was weird. It was like a lot of lotion. I was like, what am I buying? <laughs> I saw Bernie's your elbows. Really I I also have dry elbows. It's the thing. <laughs> And a perfume. I was like, do I yeah, smell? They... <laughs> take, take the hint. <laughs> it was a really weird gift to get from Bernie Sanders. Like his book and like <laughs> organic lotion and perfumes. 
Got you some soaps. <laughs> and a Bernie Sanders chocolate bar I still have. Um, anyways, I think, to be fair, I think that was his team because they knew me very well. I mean, doesn't, I was going to say, does it sound like they know you well? I mean, are you into that sort of thing or is it? Next, I always have lotion and chapsticks next to me. It's like a weird thing. So that was not what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> it was a good tangent. Did I remember what did I want to talk about? Did I have lotions? Oh, so New York Times. So um, when I read from, <laughs> Speaking from of lotion and, and hand motions, the New York Times. <laughs> so I ran, as you know, I ran for public advocate in New York and I was running against like, there were like 17 people in this race and, and only a certain number got on the debate stage, like seven. Um, you know, I can rightfully say that we were the only candidacy, the only campaign that got on with, uh, that we got on stage not having institutions or big money back us. Like we did it a very honest way with the smallest dollar average donation, like $17. It was a real populist campaign. Like they didn't want us on stage. They kept trying to do things. City and state said we won both debates. It was, it was, it was like a real movement thing. The problem was it was like happening in like three months. And so, well, but if you read Politico, apparently you you were sacrificing kittens. Is that yeah, I yeah, right? that was right. I, I was okay. So 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 you yeah. know, on they the one hand, the race at all until I was sacrificing kittens. On the one hand, populist campaign. On the other on the other hand, sacrificing kittens. Exactly. You know. Sorry. What's, what's I, <laughs> Check your sources, guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the funny thing, like we were, we were championing a $30 minimum wage, which is still lower than what an indexed minimum wage should have been in New York. It would be like $36 if we were being very fair towards living, maybe probably worse at this point. Um, you know, we were calling for a free subway. We were really like taxing the rich, taking on real estate developers, naming names, et cetera. So I, you know, we, we did these forums every night of the week two or three forums were happening and they were all based on topics and issues like like climate change. You got to know the candidates pretty well and it was very clear that our sitting city council members didn't understand climate change at all. They were like, oh yeah, plastic straws, rid them, we're fine. That's climate change. That was like two- Yeah, thank, thank goodness. We got rid of the plastic straws. Plastic I'm so straw. glad. Problem solved. No, no, nothing to, nothing to see here, people. Don't worry about it. It was, it was Hurricane Sandy. No, I mean, obviously, Hurricane Sandy, plastic straws. Plastic straws. The connection is obvious. That's it. And <laughs> and unlike on top of it, we had some candidates who who were elected officials who were in districts where the lead poisoning um, in public housing was the worst in the country. And I would talk about lead poisoning like, well, that's not a thing anymore. Like, what do you mean it's not a thing? And they're like, well, we got the lead out of the water, and was like this is about the lead paint in the walls it's in the cover of all the newspapers in New York. So it became very clear that our elected officials in New York are not reading the newspaper. It was horrifying, Walter. So Walker, Walter, but, and then I just called you Walter. And that's what happens after two, just it, <coughs> slap me, slap me, slap me. That was bad. That was a very, that was a very. Well, I never. Call. You've had that before, right? Like someone's done I, that. All, of, all the time. But I know your name. You're my friend. I, I, I know people. People get it though. It 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 happens. Walter Hunter. I get Hunter sometimes, which is like okay. No, your name's Walker. I know that. It just came out. 
It was on a, whatever. I'm so sorry. That was bad. That's fine. No, Mikey. I get it. It's okay. I get, trust me, I get it <laughs> all the time. So no, wait. no, Mickey. No, Mickey. All right, Sam. <laughs> Sam Cedar. So the big thing here is I go before the New York Times, right? Oh, I didn't even mention this part. I live in Queens. I'm one of the big proponents of banning, like Amazon, the Amazon fight was going on. I was showing up on the streets. It's my neighborhood. We didn't want the Amazon headquarters to be there. I get to my interview with the New York Times for the endorsement. I'm in the lobby and they call me and they say, we're so sorry, we have to cancel because they just ruled that they're not, that Amazon's pulling out. And I was like, oh, that's great. I've been on the front lines of that fight. And they're like, great. And I was like, would you like to quote me? They're like, no, it's okay. We'll call you back. Don't call us. <laughs> we'll call you. So they bring me back, Walker. They did and, call. Um, oh, no, no. I went back a week later, the same day as my Politico interview in which they lied about me. And then they go, she didn't respond to 10 questions. It's like, because I had like, it was like two days before the election. I had a debate that day and the New York Times interview. When before the New York Times this is why this is an important statement. Two people, the New York Times editorial committee. Meanwhile, the former deputy managing editor of the New York Times prepped me. Go in, two people. They asked me a question about the MTA they go, well, how are you fiscally going to find? They like, it was like a gotcha question. And I had it. They didn't even mention me in the New York Times write up. And I say this because, like I said, I was showing up at these forums and people didn't understand what climate policy was. They didn't understand tax policy. The question I got with the New York Times was a gotcha question. And the people that they cited were the ones who didn't understand that plastic straws were going to solve our climate problem. So this- In fairness, is, if you pile up enough plastic straws, you can create a, a seawall. <laughs> but Walker, this is the world we're living in, right? Like these are not our friends. Right. There's not our friends. And so like that was half of my day. Actually, it was much longer. I was prepped by a former deputy managing editor of the New York Times prepped me. I had policy experts. No one else had policy experts. They like didn't even know the difference between like, you know, what like the, the MTA fund. They didn't know the board members, the MTA. They showed up and they were just like, I'm back by so-and-so party. But but that New York Times vote, that New York Times um, endorsement determined the election. Because in a special election or any election in New York City, the highest turnout voters are the ones who read the New York Times. And I say this because ultimately, this is how we have to think strategically and we're not doing that. And we're, when we go after MSNBC, when we go after the New York Times, like on one hand, we know that they're not gonna support us. On the other hand, we also can't become nemeses to them. And I don't, I don't know what the solution is there, but- New media. But, I'm, I'm, but institutions take a long time to build. And right? that's the problem. Like these, these, these publications, like the New York Times has a legacy audience that it's, that it's built in over generations and, and uh, it has a reputation and um, doesn't always do. Hold on a second. I have to mute. <laughs> Walker is not wearing a brain. Oops. 
not wearing a bracelet. How's everybody doing? It's only 117. <laughs> I see your pajama bottoms, Walker. This is, <laughs> is this a Jeffrey Tubin moment? Are we going into Jeffrey Tubin territory? <laughs> You're on mute. I can't hear you. No, not not tubing. I tubin. Not tubin. Not that's tubing. The, not not tubing. Is that the expression? No. I, I woke my fiance. Oh no. Election night. On election night. I woke my fiance up. It's I mean to be fair, it's like three, three fifteen in the morning there. Um, all right, let's I don't know how we got on the I told this very long story about the New York Times and I've had very little to eat today, so it's just like one mescaline, and I'm like, and, old and, man, and know me over here. I'm posing in my my fabulous. <laughs> There's a red light special happening over here. I'm <laughs> see how if, if, am I getting flagged on YouTube? All right, hey, wait, wait. This is a perfect moment for me to like pitch. I've just not done one pitch. Hey guys, um, we have a daily show. <laughs> If you're new, uh, make sure to click subscribe and the alert button, that little bell, it tells you when our show goes off, which is every Tuesday through Friday, I guess it's sort of daily, um, 3 p.m. Eastern to 4 p.m. Eastern. We're live. We we are trying, like, I think we're building a pretty damn good show. We have an amazing team. We always have extraordinary guests and like really thoughtful analyses and, um, like I said, uh, Matt Stoller is going to be on tomorrow, uh, and and we have Walker today. This is this is a lot of fun. I do lives every once in a while, a little bit like after hours. But um, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to click that alert button. Uh, join the chat. Make sure to smash that like. And if you're if you're so inclined, which is a really big deal, uh, join us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash The Nomi Key Show. If you give enough, you get a a mug. You get a I don't know if I, I don't have my bags here. I don't have any bags over here. I thought I did. I have bags and stickers on uh, the nomikishow.com. But if you're a oh, great patron, you get a bag. I'll send you a bag. Um, yeah, it merch. it's amazing. We've got merch. I mean, it's really for our live events, which we're not having right now. So yeah, bring on the merch. But Patreon, as Walker knows very well, it's what keeps us going. It's what pays the bills. It's what pays our team. We have an amazing team. That's it's like also awesome. also known as a grift. If you have a salary, oh, comfortable salary job at a at an established publication, Patreon is a, is a oh, grift. Stop it. That's like the whole smear that the neoliberals are like. Patreon's a grift. And it's like, I'm sorry, you are a weapon manufacturer, win. lobbyist. I'm sorry, New York Times. You have to. You have to raise money from a grassroots audience. Oh. <laughs> Can we cancel them yet? <laughs> Near There's such grifters. There's such grifters. And it's like you You're taking money from the UAE and committing genocide in Yemen. And you're gonna tell like and as marketed as a progressive organization, like I'm sorry, but fuck you. <laughs> Fudge. F frack you. Frack you. I hope they frack your living room sink. <laughs> Muratan's married to an artist. I'm like, what? How are you? How? What? Oh God. Yeah, hey Walker, what final predictions do we have before we fall asleep on hair? <laughs> everything is everything is terrible. <laughs> and either right. way, we're either way we're fucked. 
climate change is real. We're, we're, shoot. I keep doing it. It's okay. I'm just saying. It's okay. You'll just have to come on Gilded Age and every other word that you say will will have to be like some obscenity. (laughs) When I'm, uh, listen, I'm the one who became famous for dropping the F-bomb on (laughs) C-SPAN. You did it before Beto did it. That's, that's all that matters. I did. All right. So this is where we are. Um, Let's, okay. So Minnesota's called for Biden. Illinois is called for Biden. Yeah, let's look. Wisconsin is Donald, uh, 82% in. Trump is up 51% to 47%. i am not going to go into the districts uh, right now. Michigan, Trump is up 52 to 45 71% in. Pennsylvania, 74% in. Uh, Trump is up 55 to 43 I'm going to look at those. Okay, so I'm seeing I'm seeing 93% reporting in Wisconsin, 51% to 47. Interesting. Is that AP versus an versus That's AP. Yeah. I'm seeing 73% in Michigan, 53 to 45, with a million, not a million, sorry. Wow. And I'm I am I don't know. I haven't told you this. I am terrible at math. Um You're telling me to speak closer to the microphone. This is a new microphone, guys. It's the first day. Don't yell at me. <laughs> yeah, so so he has a pretty sizable lead. He's got like six hundred thousand votes in Pennsylvania. He's got um, Trump. Yeah, he's up by he's up by uh, a lot. It's 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 not looking great. It's not looking great. Here, all you have to do is type in um, type in twenty twenty election results and the Google image that will pop up is uh, the AP. I'm looking at the New York Times, but I'm trying to get down to the districts to see what the turnout is in specific districts. But, um, you know, oh Pennsylvania, what? Flint is red. How is that even possible? Flint is fucking red. And Lansing is blue. Grand Rapids is red. Jesus. Marquette is blue. Chester County... Okay, the bright side here is outskirts of Pennsylvania. Trump is leading, but he's only leading by like a thousand votes. In one in Chester, the Burks he's leading by twenty thousand, not even twenty thousand votes. Well, yeah, not even twenty thousand. Bucks Trump is up by thirty thousand. Oh, that's not good. Lehigh, Bucks was the turning district last time. Delaware County. Biden's up by 50,000 50, in Pennsylvania. Montgomery oh, 94% now in Wisconsin, 51 to 47.5. Trump is up by like 100,000 votes. All right, so what, do you, what are your predictions tomorrow? I don't fucking know. I really hope that, I, I'll, full disclosure, I really hope that Biden wins. Um, in case that that wasn't clear, but uh, it, it isn't looking good. Like even if Biden wins Wisconsin, like I, I don't know how he's gonna. I don't know. The I thing is, say, Nevada too. Like, why is it so close to Nevada? I should not be on the map. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, wait. What happens if I have a I have a 270 to win thing? 
what yeah. happens if Trump wins Nevada and Biden wins Wisconsin and Michigan? I think it's gonna be the opposite. Well, sure. But if, if if Biden wins Wisconsin and Michigan but loses Nevada and Pennsylvania, he still loses. If Biden wins um, if Biden wins Wisconsin but loses Michigan, uh, still and wins Nevada and loses Pennsylvania, he loses. It's a fucking it's a toss up. This is a toss up election. How the fuck no, this is this insane? A- How is this a toss-up election? So let's go into Nevada for a second, right? This is Lander County, 0% in. Reno, okay. 11,000 votes it comes down to. Las Vegas, Biden's up by 73,000 votes, 72,000 votes. How is this even happening? Like, that shouldn't happen. Nevada shouldn't be on the map right now. It just shouldn't be. Oops, go back. All right, I'm looking at New York Times. I don't know what you guys are looking at. Um, Maybe it's AP. Come on, hello. See full results. Hello. It's been taking a bit. This is so bad. What are your predictions, Nomi? Well, I don't, I mean... I really gun, think to, that, gun to your head. What? Who, who do you think is going to win? I, I, I'm honestly, I'll, I'm, I'm unsure because I do think it's going to come down to these, like what we all said all along. It's going to come down to, to voter suppression tactics in Pennsylvania, and and mail-in voting, voting uh, attempts to sabotage them in, in these three states, and, you know, North Carolina wasn't on our map before. Um, Arizona was on our map. But the voter suppression is not active there. Nevada wasn't on our map. But I think that it, it always came down to these three states. And what are the voter suppression tactics here and here? Not as much here. Um, but also the mail-in strategies there, which are active voter suppression. And obviously, Georgia has had a, a, a tremendous amount of voter suppression over the years. Yeah, and they, I would they doubt should have had Florida a Governor Stacey Abrams. Yes, and Florida, frankly. I mean, if there wasn't... Uh, the, the 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 poll tax that they added, how would that have affected the vote in Florida? I mean, this is very much manip- manipulated. Look at look at the ride here. Okay, I understand the rural. I understand the electoral strategy. But keep in mind, many of these states win by active voter suppression tactics. Indiana, Ohio, uh, Missouri, frankly, uh, Texas. Uh, you know, I, I, I really think that we have to have deeper conversations about how this map stays red in the future. When you have a Cory Bush winning in Missouri, when you have Tennessee, which used to be a Democratic state, and the two major cities in Tennessee, which are the highest voter turnout, are majority minority. Why is it that that state is not blue? Why? There's no reason. Other than the fact that there's voter suppression there. South Carolina where a tremendous amount of money has gone into this election cycle with, with Jamie Harrison and, and his race. And, you know, I think part of the reason he lost was because they didn't invest in previous years. You can't do one-offs. You have to win long-term. You have to invest. You know, Cori Bush won in Missouri because she ran four times. Granted, it was a Democratic state, a city, but 
there's no reason why Missouri shouldn't even be Democratic. There are not more rural voters than there are inner city voters. That's just mathematically false. So what are we doing wrong? The question is, is the Democratic coalition even viable given these tactics, given the what the Republicans do? Is it is it even a viable like or do you have to build onto it? Like I'm not you don't you don't sacrifice, you know, don't sacrifice voters that you have. Like it's right. But but do you really need suburban whites that bad? Like, are you really going to pursue the Republicans based from the 90s? Or are you going to try to, you know, build out a, a working class coalition? I, I, I do think, I, I mean, obviously there are, there are obstacles to that. There is tremendous racism and, and sexism. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, hear, I hear those arguments. But the, the coalition that will save America is not going to be one that is built on minority labor and then the ideas of the affluent white communities in America. And that's just not going to, that's not going to do it. The bright side here is I think four years from now, um, it's not going to be the Clintonian class who's setting the strategy the Democratic Party um, or their, their mentees who might be a little bit younger in Gen X, I think it's going to be uh, us, as it already kind of is, but, but in a more powerful sense, um, hoping. I hope so. I, I hope so. I mean, if the party can survive this, if they lose, if, they, if it can survive that. Look, if, if Biden wins, if Biden ends up winning tomorrow. Like... Still shocked. He it's, never thought it was going to be this close. It, yeah, like it shouldn't have been this close. Trump has been leading all night in the states. And my experience, and maybe you have this as well, but when a candidate is winning consistently throughout the night, it's a good sign for that candidate. Um, I would say my odds right now are seventy thirty that Biden ends up losing. Okay, so. Sorry, my mic's falling. My earpiece is falling. My ear, hang on. <laughs> at this point, that's that's sort <laughs> of that's where I'm at. And when you've been on all day long, it doesn't stay in your ear anymore. Um, what's your rationale, Rook? I mean, we're, we should probably wrap up, but like, what's your rationale that he ends up at that those numbers? I think he's going to lose Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and I think he could lose Michigan. Sounds right. Could lose Wisconsin too, but I think I think Wisconsin is more likely to. You know, it's just the numbers in Pennsylvania are so fucking big, fracking big. And my um, guess is it has something to do with fracking, <laughs> as they I thought. Mean, I mean, Trump is up by seven, about seven hundred thousand votes, a little less. 700,000 votes, that's, that's a pretty big margin unless, unless the, the numbers and the mail-ins that come in are, you know. Yeah. Trump only needs two of the three. So, okay, so, so that's where you, I mean, I just brought down the mood. No, 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 you, you, you didn't. I mean, we've been here all night. Like the second I went on air, it was the, you know, seven hours ago. That was the, the mood where we were. 
Um, and it's very reminiscent of 2016. I think what's just more difficult about this time around is people are going in with open eyes and they still thought this turnout, the pandemic was going to really shift it. And maybe we, we, we underestimate, even though we talked about a lot, we underestimated the voter suppression, which I do think is a major part of this election. Um, but I also think that the, the, um, I don't know. I mean, moving forward, my message is going to be, we have to be militant and surgical about our, our fighting. We can't just throw things against a wall and say like, guys, we want to see, this is amazing. Like we have to actually win because they're battling to win and to knuckle, like, like cut our knees off, like our legs off from our knees and really dismantle the progressive movement simultaneously while they're trying to dismantle the neoliberal movement. Well, it doesn't help that you have neoliberals who are joining them in that because they don't want to lose their seat at the table. And doing that just, no, it's, it's long odds. I mean, I question whether or not the Democratic Party is a vehicle that is capable of delivering the change that if they lose this election. I'll be very clear. I question if any party is capable of doing that. If the system is capable of delivering that change, I think that's a that is a sobering, you know, uh, realization, and I think it is a necessary one. But because we are operating within that system, we can't we can't just write it off and give up. And so, how do we uh, how do we fix it? And I have no idea. You know, and these are conversations that I think will evolve over time, and will have a better idea of where we're at you know in the coming days with with the vote counts and this there could a lot of this could be premature biden still could win um but the fact that it's this close like biden (laughs) if biden wins he's coming into office on a whimper and he still might get seven million more votes than donald trump (laughs) Or not. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there that like we have to be conscious of the electoral college. Um, right. But which, where are those votes going to come from? Where's that majority going to come from? It's going to probably come from the coasts. States like California. And that's not to say that those votes shouldn't count. The electoral college is an anti-majoritarian uh, institution, but like, you have to plan better. I mean, you can't be winning by those margins. You have to expand your base. <laughs> You're not. But with that being said, like Trump didn't do anything to expand his base at all. He didn't build a coalition like he did last time. He didn't have Bannon sitting there. He didn't. He didn't, but he still, I don't know. I did, um, I was working on an article and I was watching a prominent right wing speaker uh, saying that they need to that they don't necessarily need to make specific pitches to mm. these groups in order to win their voters. They can sort of yeah. tailor their usual pitch to those voters, but they don't have to engage in this sort of identitarian stuff that, that liberals engage in. And they seem to have made headway. It's like falling in line. They, they are just automatically well, saying like, look, Antifa is destroying your communities. 
and we need law and order isn't going to be the turnoff that a lot of younger progressives and younger people expect to be among certain voters or saying, look, the Democratic Party has failed you time and again. Like, that is a reality. Yeah. They, they have, the party has failed. Working people, working people of color, time and again. So, yeah, I mean, I had, I had a friend, a colleague of mine doing calls all day to Florida uh, to African-American voters in Florida. And she said two out of 10, which is a very important number, said they were not voting for Biden. They're voting for Trump because Biden created the crime bill. And that's something that Democrats shrug off during the primary. They shrug it off. Oh, it's not a big deal. It was 20 years, you know, 30 years ago, whatever. It's, but it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Or like, oh, you know, but the communities, you know, but the, the you know, black leadership at the time supported it. Okay, but like the dude is still defending it in 2019. Oh my God. So like, what are you doing? Like acknowledge that maybe say like, look, we, we had good intentions, but it ended up like, like broken windows turned out to be a terrible, terrible philosophy. Like acknowledge it, own it, apologize, make amends. Never did it. Well, if there's one thing that we got out of this election, it's that uh, Democrats probably won't run a billionaire to counter Trump. Like Bloomberg, remember that whole idea? Like, we just have to run a billionaire as opposed to Trump. And I'm going to guess that's not going to be the thing. I don't know what... I, my concern is 2000... Whoever's president. 2024 is going to be like, am Andrew Cuomo. All right, Walker, we got to go to bed. You got to go to bed. Uh, we have a long day tomorrow, but people are tuned in. Thank you to everybody. I know I'm not monitoring the chat. I really feel sorry. We're going to go back to it tomorrow when I'm on the show. Um, it's hard to host and monitor and like look at things and, you know, look at results and, you know, the whole, the whole game. Um, sorry for, sorry for my, 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 my fantastic. PJ. My you're, PJs. You're, <laughs> if I were in my PJs, I'd be so happy right now. I'm going to, they're like four feet away from me right now. Um, you guys are amazing. I thanks for bearing with us tonight. This has been a, a a very emotional evening. It's not quite 2016, but there are a lot of similar feelings. Uh, tomorrow we are going to be live, <laughs> 3 p.m. Eastern. Maybe we'll have some more information. Uh, it's still it's not early here actually at all. It's it's not early where you are, Walker, and it's not early here. So I'm going to go to bed in about 20 minutes. And, and let's just understand that, you know, we might have a couple of more results tonight, maybe, or by the morning, but we may not have it until Friday. So uh, be well, be safe, be healthy, take care of yourself, get some rest. And Walker, thanks for doing this last minute. And we've been doing this for a while, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's a blast. Are you kidding? This is awesome. I get, I get to hang out with no Mickey Const on, you know, on election day. On Zoom. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Wait, so Walker, you are uh, the co-founder of OptOut and, and let's talk about all the things that you do. Let's give you guys a plug uh, real quick before we wrap up. So I'm an independent journalist. Uh, well, actually, I, I work for the Daily Poster, which is David Sirota's uh, newsletter, partner with Jacobin. And um, 
a number of other publications from time to time. I also am a co-host on a podcast called uh, Gilded Age, where we talk about how and why we're fucked. Um, fracked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and also I, I do these appearances, I guess. And yeah, I and and opt out, which is an, uh, an upcoming news aggregator app, which more to come. Just a few things here and there, just like little, little this, little that. Yeah, little well, that. you have to. Yeah, you have to these days. Well, I get it. If you're not a salaried newspaper writer at the New York Times, if you're not Joy Reid, whose genius analysis tonight was. I really, I really feel like um, the Wine Moms, written by Neera Tannen. As soon as I saw, it, I was like, Neera and Joy. Like Neera just like throws talking points to Joy, and then Joy just says them. But Joy was like, I think that the. Do you guys know what this wine? And then Rachel Maddow. They're taking credit, Wine Moms. Full credit to Rachel Maddow, who's not extremely online like Joy Reid is. Neera, she was like, Neera, she was like, um, what's a what's a Wine Mom? Rachel Maddow and, and and Joy's like, well, you don't know what a wine mom then is like. Rachel's like, no. She's like, I live, I'm, you know, Rachel Maddow was like four hours away from New York. She's like travels back and forth. She's just like in her own little world. I need this clip in my life. It's amazing. You have to find this. And it was right before I went on 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 AJ Plus today or Al Jazeera, and I was like, oh my god, I can't handle this. And Joy was like, the, the wine moms are the ones that are going to determine this election. <laughs> have to find this. It was. Oh, look at you, you're so excited. No. And Rachel's like, wait, what is this? And, and she's like, this is so fascinating. Like Rachel Maddow had never heard of a wine mom because she doesn't live on Twitter with like Mira Tan and Joy Reid. It's so good. Oh my God. Joy Reid is just like, it's the wine moms that are going to determine. No, it's not, Joy. This is why you actually have to know politics before you get on air on election night to discuss politics. Come on. And you shouldn't just listen to Neera Tannen. I need this. You need to send this to me. Okay, so it was, it was around, what time did I go on Al Jazeera? Maybe because someone that watching is, can help us. That is this. art. It was art. I was on at, I was on Al Jazeera at, te, I guess, no, no, it was 9 p.m. Eastern on Al Jazeera. So it was around like 8.40 to 9 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC. So good. I was like, I want to eat this up, but I have to go on air. <laughs> I tweeted out. It was like, I'm watching Joy Reid. I go her BFFs talking points about wine moms, but I'm going to go have a real conversation with Thomas Frank and Steve Clemens on Al Jazeera right now. Bye-bye. <laughs> good night, Walter. So, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, Naomi. <laughs> You're, thank you. Thank you for this night. Um, we will loop back. And to all of you, uh, wherever you are, just I hope you have a chance to just like take a breath. You don't know what's going to happen. And that's okay. But we, we are the ones who are called to this moment. And we will be the ones who, if we're strat strategic and thoughtful and organized, I think that we can defeat whatever forces are against us. Let's just say that, hopefully. Mm -hmm.